Disclaimer, the following boundless pub trap episode contains strong opinions that some listeners may and will find offensive. If you cannot accept or respect others with a differing opinion from yours, then fuck off. Rolling sound. Streaming from the Midwest, right in the middle of the U.S., from Omaha, Nebraska, you're listening to the Boundless Pod Trap, your entertainment podcast, where we touch on all topics, from the crazy and absurd to the sacred and profane, and even the useless and unnecessary. The Boundless Pod Trap knows no bounds, and now, here are your hosts. Well, guys, here we are. Episode six. Woo, woo, six. And we got a fun one for you today. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy, along an- with Justin. And why you no date white girl? Huh? <laughs> <Excuse> <laughs> I just inhaled my spit down my throat. Anyways, here we are, fellas. It's uh, Monday. Um. Happy belated birthday. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm old not, as fuck now. I'm not going to say it. Good, you shouldn't. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to tell him. Is it because Wait. he's overshadowing your birthday that was just a couple episodes ago? Right. It was on the birthday, so it kind of is more special like that. <clears throat> Did you do anything fun for your birthday? I can't believe you guys didn't call me. Uh, Disappointed in you both. It was busy every time I called. <laughs> yeah. I don't answer my phone anymore. I called Jeremy. <laughs> he said it was busy. Yep. <laughs> And I think I think what happened was Justin and I were calling at the same time over and over again, and that just must have been happened. I had a nice, I had a succulent Chinese meal. Why is he having succulent? <laughs> I hope it was a succulent Chinese meal. We'll do, find you, out. do you think people realize that we record this <laughs> several days before this comes out, and this isn't live? Put it together. I mean, like, we say that, and they're like, oh, okay, whatever, shut the fuck up, get on with it. Like, right now, Lonnie hasn't had his birthday, <laughs> but we're <laughs> acting like he did. Which birthday? I know. How old are you? 36 years old. I feel like we've established each other's age, like, maybe two or three times, but we still forget each other's age. <laughs> I knew he was turning 36. Or he's I actually, 36. he just told me. Did he just say 36? Yeah. Okay. Because I just forgot. <laughs> him, and I are the, him and I are the same age for a Look couple up. months now. Yeah. Huh. So. Huh. So, cool. yeah. And you're the baby. I, sometimes. That baby smooth, soft skin. Yeah. Just want to lick it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I got to ask you guys. Give in. What? Give in to your inhibition. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I got to ask you guys. Do you guys have any of my family members going to surprise us today on this episode? <laughs> we don't know. I still think that was bullshit. Not that I wasn't happy to see my sister, but... I totally think that she chose I got screwed out of the right whole one. thing. I You're complaining about being screwed. You purposely set that up. So I, she's like, all right, the last place was Lonnie, and the first place is fucking Justin. Sorry. First of all, my sister does not have that deep of a voice. <laughs> Sounds just that like was her. Perfect. What are you talking, what are you about? talking about? Hi, oh, I'm Stacy. Lou. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Stacy. 
It's just you just I, lost a listener. <laughs> <laughs> I want listeners. God. Speaking of, uh, oh, we're, yeah. we're, we're going places. I mean, our, our Facebook is now over 500 likes, which I know there's some people out there. It's like, okay, I didn't know your sister but... had 500 Facebooks. <laughs> she does. Podbean's got a, at least just below a hundred downloads. So, thank you, something. everybody. By the I'm way, I'm still trying it's, to figure out who's in Michigan. Huge. In Michigan? In Minnesota. Those are like uh, people from Minnesota. Isn't, isn't, in Minnesota. Slim, isn't Slim Shady in? Those are like he's from Detroit, yo. Those are two of the top That's most Michigan. states: Michigan and Minnesota. What about North Dakota? No, they're on the top. So the two of the top what thirteen states? Uh, Oregon. Never mind. This. It's not what this podcast is about. We're not getting geographical. It could be. It, it probably this be better. podcast is boundless. It'd be better if I drew you like a diaphragm or something. Diaphragm isn't that what women use? For... Well, to for educational type. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not well educated with women. What do we got going on? <laughs> We've got some good stuff coming up today. We have our first uh, guest tonight. Second guest. True. Well, okay, True. okay. Second. You guess, can't complain about a guest and then pretend they don't first, exist. This is our first scheduled guest. Paco? No. <laughs> he won't do this podcast. Trust me, I've asked him numerous times, and I know you guys have too. That's that time of the year for him. That's every time. I know. Making that money. He's got like 18 taco trucks now, do you know? Whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, what? He's got 18 taco trucks He's now. still doing it? Well, no, he, he doesn't do them. He just owns them. Right, but I thought he cashed in all that. He traded something. He sells the rights for something, and then... Okay, well, I, well, I have to. Paco, well, I guess Paco. I, <laughs> I guess I don't know if he he owns them, but there's still Paco Unlimited Taco Trucks. Oh. Not around here. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't do it around here just because uh, he wasn't making much money around this area with them. Paco, Paco. Anyways, <laughs> no, yeah, but we have uh, a fellow friend of mine fellow friend of mine, a friend of mine, a fellow filmmaker, a Nebraska native uh, who now resides in California making movies. Dustin Ferguson's going to be our guest here in a little bit. I heard like he's a fellow. I like the dynamics of this because like you have more of a professional personal relationship and I have primarily a professional relationship and Lonnie doesn't know anything about him. And Just what IMDb says. Yeah. I, th I think uh, it's going to be fun because we're going to have a lot of uh, interesting stories. We're going to share some stories about um, productions that we've worked on together. He's going to tell us about what's been going on since moving out to California, which I don't know if it's between two going on three years now that he's been out there. I think the last time I saw him was with you at his old store. Yeah, and that was that was a while ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy has been busy with things, um, so it'll be fun to catch up with him. Um, we will be playing a game with him. Uh, right now, uh, with our games, it's one, one, and one. We all have won a game. Right. Um, How long are we going to do this? Are we going to do this till the end of the year? Or are we going to do the games uh, until we get tired of keeping score? We'll go through. What's going to be the punishment? Through 2020. So okay. we'll play games. So you're not going to eat anything, like any spicy things? Can oh. you take, like, spicy suppositories? <laughs> yeah. Not again. I'm under contract <laughs> not to do it. <laughs> no, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll play games on and off here. Probably every episode we'll play some kind of game, maybe two games, and whoever 
has the least amount of wins at the end of 2020 will get punished early on in 2021 by a, uh, a leather daddy. Yes. By a uh, punishment that the other two pick. Nice. Like, try to survive in the desert with a sucking chest wound? <laughs> oh, I'm all for that. I can do that. I've done that before. Have you? No. But you believed it. Oh. Huh? So, yeah, uh, that'll be exciting. Um, so, so what's new with you guys? You know, I was, I was excited. I don't know, I'll say necessarily excited, actually, but, you know, I, I really wish that you guys were more football fans, like American football fans, because the last couple of days there's been a lot going on with Nebraska football. Uh, but I just know that I'm more for the real football. I know you are. Sorry. Uh, if I if I brought it up, you guys would just not really add to it or talk to uh, about it. So, unfortunately, we can't talk about that. I did hear this is going to be the first season that the Huskers go undefeated in a lot. Yeah, because they're not playing. True. Yeah. yeah. Basically, what's no. happening is the Big Ten and Pac-12, I think, divisions, conferences. Leave my piece. Canceled. <laughs> <laughs> They've canceled their season. Um, out of safety to their players and fans. Yes, you, you could be the Pac-12, I'll be the Big Ten. But, yeah. But, yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm the Big 12, just so you know. Who's that? Um, anyways. Is there a soft six? <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so, yeah, in Nebraska, basically Scott Frost, their head coach, said that um, they're going to look for opponents elsewhere. And the Big Ten say no. The Big Ten said no. Uh, if you decide to seek out opponents on your own, you can basically say bye-bye to the Big Ten. And then there was all these rumors about Nebraska could go to the Big 12 again, where they came from and whatnot, and this whole thing. Uh, but supposedly Nebraska is not doing that now. So Are you sad about that? I'm very happy that they... Are canceling this? Yeah, I think all sports need to be canceled. That's the quickest way to, especially football, <laughs> to pass. You are one pathetic <laughs> loser. Uh, no, it's 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 just you know nobody's doing their part to help try to control this virus. And people can say you're puppets and you're easily manipulated. No, there's just stubborn people in this world that don't listen and don't want to give things a try. I mean, it's if people honestly believe that not doing stuff for two weeks was going to be enough time to make this virus go away. Then, and then they're the same people complain about, you know, getting a second or third shutdown. Mm-hmm. Well, just, all, <laughs> all this is ha- all this is being stretched out because of all the rebels out there that don't want to wear a mask. Freedom. Yeah. You're, I'm, I'm, you're no taking away my freedom. Right. Yeah. It's taking your freedom. Feel it from my cold just, dead hands. How do you guys feel about, um, Schools have started back up, and hate it. no surprise, there's already been several cases of confirmed cases of coronavirus at these uh, schools. So, soccer uh, moms care more sad. about their mimosa breaks than their health of their children. I guess that is the sad truth. It's like, I mean, we want to get those kids in schools, but just following the rules is quite necessary. Um, I see. I got a quite a bit of friends who are very adamant about not wearing masks, and then they like to throw it in, you know, like on social media. Like, I just went into this store without wearing them. They told me I was going, you know, how do you know? That's a fuck, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
I deleted somebody just before Jeez, coming here no. because they put a post up like that. Uh, no, I, it's it's terrible. Like Lonnie, you kind of hit it on the head. It's like you know these a lot of parents out there are, you know, they care more about other things than the health of their kids. Like yeah. I under I, I understand for some it's it's difficult because school is basically their daycare for their kid while they're at work and stuff like that. But you know it's was, it's the sad truth is I think we're gonna be in a root be in for a rude awakening now that we're putting kids in small classrooms like a sardine can and kids are going to start getting more of them are going to get confirmed cases. But they got those control. windows on the, on the desks and stuff to, to divide them. It's going to be like visiting daddy and yeah. <laughs> but I, I think sadly we're going to see the death rate of children go up and for what? I mean, like I said, oh. I, people haven't been, ever since this happened, people have just been like, nope, I'm not going to change my ways. Not enough people have taken it seriously to where this could actually have slowed the curve of it. So it's like, this is the reason why we are where we are is because of all the people out there that refuse to do what they can to help. Yeah, just and, or Two weeks ago, I got a call from the school because we were supposed to enroll our oldest, our four-year-old, into a uh, the school. The pre-K. Well, it's pretty much, yeah, preschool, kindergarten, whatever preschool. Uh, But she's already doing, like, a preschool at her daycare, but it's the smaller numbers there. Uh, And I just didn't want to do the the, uh, daycare costs. But we kind of procrastinated on it a bit. And uh, it's that district, the Ralston district, that kind of uh, came into the news as well with Mm -hmm. Lake Miller. Uh, So I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad we uh, just sucked it up and decided to come out of our pocket again with you know for another year why didn't they do re- like ops did remote learning they did well, but i mean like why why can't all school districts like what was the big deal about doing remote learning uh when it comes to like private schools i mean like they're gonna do their own thing you know like religious schools and all that they yeah uh there's only so much pull that the state can do with that <clears throat> but as far as like you know my daughter's age you can't really do remote learning for a four-year-old. No. Yeah, you can. It's called YouTube. <laughs> True. <laughs> Color this square. I some, had some of those YouTube things that I kind of catch my my daughter watching. Like you're just watching a guy unbox things. You're, they're just taking it out of the wrapper. He's not even playing with it. Those He's just showing dudes, you things. Those dudes make fucking. Bank. I know. You you want to know something? My niece watches like these these YouTube channels, it's, there's this one where this guy has his two kids and I think his wife's on there every now and then. And they have like these small little cheap ass toys that they got from Walmart for probably like two bucks of different characters. Like we'll say for instance, Paw Patrol. And they just do all these stupid weird things. Where's the trigger warning? Yeah. (laughs) But I, (laughs) I looked up how much these people make. They make millions of dollars a year. For these YouTube channels, right. it's been like ten dollars a week. Exactly. <laughs> like I, I look at like my niece is four years old, same age as your daughter, Justin. Uh, so she's better than. Yeah, is that what you're saying? she is. No, <laughs> but, but I think I give her another couple of years, and my goodness, with the the video equipment and stuff I have, <laughs> I, I just start doing YouTube videos with her, do, doing these silly things that these people do, and. Apparently, I'm going to make millions of dollars doing it. I don't, I don't get it. And they're, they're so weird too. Like, it's it's like 
the dad in this thing, like, he over overacts, too. He's just like, hey, that's great. And it's like, no dad talks like that. Right? No. no. <laughs> uh, do you? I don't. I, I, I'm just happy when my kid's not shitting on me. <laughs> me, too. Not your that's, kid, my kid. <laughs> that's an idea for a YouTube channel. <laughs> the day Moxley does not shit on me. It's not have, stopping. Have <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I got some news. I mean, trigger warning. It has to do with religion. So if you don't want to hear it, skip three seconds ahead. I'll kill your mic. <laughs> yeah, kill my <laughs> mic so you don't hear it. Well, uh, big victory for the TST. Uh, we record this every two weeks. So last week when we were off... Uh, the satanic t- temple. The satanic, satanic temple, yeah. They won a big court battle um, where uh, in, in the states that have legal abortion, the the TST have been deemed as a actual religious uh, religious like division. Entity, whatever. Yeah. So they cannot be forced to do like the hearing of the heartbeat during abortions. They don't have to go through the class. They can say it goes against their religious nice. rights now. So they're not being fucked like, with anymore. It goes like against, the it goes against their tenants. It's so. like they do the same things that uh, hardcore uh, religious folk do, but hardcore religious folk don't, you know, like putting up a statue. It's like, okay, I'll put up a statue. Right. If that's all they want. They want yeah. religious pluralism. And they're like, I'm not trying to take over. I'm just going to do the same thing that you're doing and see how it's offending other people. Right. You know? That's one it's of like the tenets as well. Like public. It's yeah. like, it's like you have the there. right to offend. Um, you just have a shit-eating grin. No, because I was just going to put this out there for the listeners. If you hear a <laughs> sound or whatever, don't adjust your your speakers or anything like that. That's, that's Lonnie. I'm uh, having to hold yes, my mic tonight. We had some uh, audio technical difficulties right before recording. We are getting like buzz, like really hardcore buzzing in our headphones, and we tried everything to fix it. Uh, and the only thing that helps is Lonnie has to ground his microphone. He has a hot mic, apparently. And he's got to grip it like it's a big wiener in front of his face. And so when he talks and moves, it's like... <laughs> so, exactly. Um, I'm double-fisting it. You are. Like, literally. Like, people don't understand. Like, yeah. <laughs> On point with the sound effects. Uh, I got my energy right now. We'll see how the night goes. You by. do. So, you know, I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, you want to pull this dude let's, in? Let's. Uh, we're going to take a... Uh, a quick uh, musical break here, uh, and we're going to play in our guest, Dustin Ferguson, off of a song off of his new album uh, that was released on August 4th, August 4th off of the album World Domination. Um, it's his song, Hit Stick, and it's by his alter ego, MC Dirty D. So we're going to play that, and we'll be right back with Dustin Ferguson. Gold up in my watch, it got my wrist leg. Bend up on the drill like it was this quick. Hop up on the wood like it's a hit stick. Hop up on the wood like a hit stick. Bend it over, bust it over, shorty, kid shit. Give her clout like you a dipshit. And a bomb ass bar say tick tick tick. Go my bitch's face first. Get your shit and then you leave it, could be way worse. I ain't running after nothing but my chase work. Cash at me, a wage and then I make it work. Pretty busy, fuck it, you can 
is sucking how to taste first. Had your booty pop and throw it, they can stay firm. And the devil ever climbed about the suede curtain. And I'm always in my grind and my aim for it. Tell that shit ain't double C's on my shoes, but I fit flick. Cold up in my watch, you got my wrist slick. Been about the dough like it was biscuit. Hop up on the wood like it's a hit stick. So that song you're listening to is called Hit Stick, and that's by MC Dirty D, which is on the album World Domination, which it was released on August 4th, and it's available on Dat Piff. So pretty excited with this one, fellas, our first guest, uh, good friend of mine, um, good friend of Justin's, Lonnie, you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Dustin yet. I have not, but I'm excited but, to learn about him. But I, I wrote up a, a nice intro for him. It's a, it's it's only a page long. Lay it on me. Uh, let's see how, how this goes. So, <clears throat> Our guest today is a man who has done so many film projects in the horror genre in such a short amount of time that I've lost track at how many he has done. He's done everything from writing, directing, editing, cinematography, special effects, composing, and even acting, to name a few things. Some past projects he has done are Die, Sister, Die, Gloved Murderous, Cheerleader Camp to the Death, Silent Night, Bloody Night 2, Revival, Sleepaway Camp 2, What Happened to Molly, Demon Dolls, Meat Hook Massacres 1 and 2, Meat Hook Massacre, The Final Chapter, The Amityville Legacy, Nemesis 5, The New Model, Amityville, Amityville Evil Never Dies, again, just to name a few. Some recent projects, Angry Asian Murder Hornets, which is now on DVD and video on demand from SCS Entertainment. The Beast Beneath, which had its world TV premiere on August 7th and came out on DVD and video on demand on August 15th. Ebola Rex, which comes out on DVD and video on demand on September 1st. And Arachnado, which begins shooting in a few weeks. There are so many more projects and notable actors and actresses he has worked with that we would talk about this all night long with this intro. So here he is. He is a former Nebraska native who is, resides in L.A. now, and he is also a good friend of mine, ladies and gentlemen, Dustin Ferguson. Was that was that intro good for you, Dustin? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was. Thank you. I'm I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Well, we are honored to have you. I, I guess I'm going to ask you, how have you been? It's It's been a while since we've talked. It's been a minute. Yeah, no, I'm busy. <laughs> I've been really good. You know, I'm, I'm happy and well and doing fine. How about you? Uh, you know, I'm staying busy. I mean, I'm not doing as many movies uh, as I'd like to do, but that's hopefully going to change here in the, the near future. I got... Uh, a, a big project that's been in the works for the last few weeks over a month or so. That's going to be fun to do, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't complain. I mean, given the times we're in right now, um, but yeah, you said right. you're busy. Did, did you tell me correctly that in 2020 you've already done eight feature length films? Yeah. That's like once a month or one a month. That's, that's like more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A long month. Yeah. Is my average right now. <laughs> How do you how do you sleep? Like I feel like yeah, do you know what breaks are? <laughs> Every, that's the question. Of, that, everybody is so funny because I think it's because I do get normal sleep. I go to bed at like ten and I wake up around five thirty six. But the thing is, I work all day. You know, like this is my job. I do this. You know, twenty four seven. And so I get up. I start promoting. I'm arranging things, planning things, editing, doing artwork. You know, I just do it day and night until I go to bed. And so I think that's just. 
you know, people don't realize how much time they're really in a day because they go to their day job and they have their routine and, and it's all gone before they know it. But I spend just all day doing that. See, and that's what sucks on my end is because I'm so ambitious about projects and stuff. But once I put in a eight, sometimes nine hour day at work, it's like at, at lunchtime, like, oh, when I get home tonight, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And then I get off of work, eat dinner, and I'm like, um, I think my ass is going to stay on the couch for the rest of the night, and I'm not going to yeah. do anything. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you this. How, I know how things are out here, but with uh, the COVID going on, how, how is that affecting things in Los Angeles? I mean, I think that's halted a lot of uh, productions, hasn't it? Okay, so it's interesting because <clears throat> I live in Riverside County, and so I'm about an hour south of, like, downtown L.A. And so L.A. County has it way worse than we did. Like they, you know, went into lockdowns and everything and I think they're still in phase one or two. Like they're, it's a lot worse there. But I, where I'm at, I'm in like this, it's sort of like a sister town with another town. I live in Marietta and then there's like a twin town called Temecula and we're in a valley and surrounded by mountains. So we're a little secluded from that. And so here it's almost as if nothing's happened. Like, we didn't have that much of an outbreak, and you can film here without permits anyways, so people have been coming here to film. So there's just, it's almost like it's gotten more heavy with production, you know, with my stuff and the, and the people I'm working with. I mean, that that's, uh, doesn't it worry that these people coming from outside are going to start bringing the virus your way? I would put a fence up around well, we have stay to, away. Oh, yeah, well, we have to abide by all the rules, you know, we have, because we use uh, union actors and stuff, so we have to do the COVID testing, we have nurses on site, we have to, you know, the masks and the gloves and social distancing and go nine yards, you know, we, we play it safe. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to get right into this, I'm going to ask you the first question, it's a very uh, simple question that you've probably been asked a million times, uh, but, so, how did you and why did you get uh, into the movie making industry? Just as a fan, you know, a lot like yourself, I grew up, you know, a big fan of old movies, 70s and 80s and 90s horror movies, and I always wanted to make more movies like that, and so, like, when I first started out, I don't know, I, I can't remember the timeline of when you and I met, but, like, the first couple of movies I made, um, you know, I didn't want to release them, like, I just wanted to make it and kind of have it for myself, because it was the kind of movie I would like, so I was making them, it was, like, for selfish reasons, and I eventually I started showing him at the Joyo Theater and legitimately selling him out of the trunk of my car in the parking lot there, you know, the whole, all of that. And then it just sort of grew. It became, you know, something I really loved doing. And it was like a sense of commodity, you know, like community with everybody, you know, that I was doing it with and friendships. And um, it was, I was getting better at it, obviously, as time went on. And it became, it just kind of grew into a career, like before I knew it, you know, like it was a hobby that just flourished, I guess. So when you were doing that, um, getting your start, uh, what were your your main things that pushed you to keep going? Did you have any good successes when you first started yeah. that made you want to reach for that next level? What what made you want to keep striving? It was, I think it was, yeah, when I, my name kind of broke out there. I had well, before I started directing, I was a fan editor. And for those that don't know, those are people online that take existing movies and create their own versions of it. And I was sort of known for doing um, composites of movies. I would take core movies and get the deleted scenes from WordPress and stuff, and make full uncut composites and release them for free online. I did over 100 of those. 
And they sort of built like a reputation for doing that. And then a guy from Australia named John Kleiser reached out to me because they were looking for Inezegar on Sleepaway Camp 4, which was a movie that they had shot back in 1992 and never got finished. Oh, yeah. And so in 2000, so in 2008, um, I agreed to take it on. I, it was unpaid. It was a labor of love. But I knew that if I did it, regardless of what fans think of the film and part four and all that, it's sort of one of those things like you do that because you know that your name's going to be attached to that. It's going to be in the media. It's going to get you out there. So I did, and I've always been grateful that I did because that's what got my name out there. After I did that, it worked to start picking up more and more. Did I remember correctly, and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, didn't you tell me that you did some kind of editing for Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses? They were preparing, this was probably even before Blu-ray days, there would be like a special edition DVD, yeah, a, a composite of House of a Thousand Corpses. And so I created a version that's got some scenes in it that were never released. But what has happened many times is there's a lot of things that fans are never told from, like that just happens within the industry. Usually it's legal. There's a lot of like hands in the bucket. There's people that have to approve things. There's a lot of reasons we don't know why the uncut version is actually not released. Sometimes it's because actors involved, there's a lawsuit and they can't appear in the footage. Sometimes it's because it was shot illegally and didn't have permits for footage. There's lots of things. And so I don't know the exact reason why, but it didn't get released. And a couple other ones I've done have, that have happened. But on the flip side, the one I did for Slumber Party Massacre 2 got released on that official Blu-ray. That came out two years ago. And I just, I guess I'll reveal it here um, as like an exclusive, but I edited an uncut one of Friday the 13th 8 for the Blu-ray box set. Wait a minute. Jason Takes Manhattan? Uh-huh. That is like but, my favorite one. <laughs> I, I love that I one. don't know. There's all this drama. Like, it may not get included, but I submitted a bunch of stuff with it that I got verified was included as Easter eggs. And so they're not going to answer the people that have the box set look for Easter eggs on every just because everything that's an Easter egg is for me. Go ahead, Justin. Interesting. Now I got to buy the box set. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, going through like your history, I was kind of checking out your wiki page and IMDb. I, by the way, the wiki needs to be updated, it looks like. Um, but like you've got – how many do you have uh, projects under your belt, finished movies? Well, he's done Some, eight I, so far. I've actually, lost, I've actually lost count. It's over 90, though. Gotcha. I was um, like, at this point, because I think where the wiki starts or stops off, that was like 2010 or something like that. I was going to say. I was I, like, no, he's oh, done Jesus. so much more than saying, that. IMDb has it at 89 directoral. Gotcha. So. But I was like. Yeah, I think IMDb is about four, usually around four movies behind. Yeah. So whatever IMDb says, that's three or four, too, and that's something I've made. Well, we have your uh, IMDb director credits up there, and good lord, man, there's like, is there like eight of them that are in pre-production? That's just, I, it's insane. Because yeah, we're shooting them now, like, and that's how that's how you get so many done is multitasking films. You don't invest all this time in one movie; you do like four at a time because you can always be working on different aspects, and that's how you do it full time. Because every day I have something different I'm working on, and it's not monotonous. It's not the same project. I can bounce around and just get all this stuff done. Because I also, you have to understand, too, from the perspectives are different. Like, from when I lived in Nebraska, everybody, you know, like you were just saying, people have a nine-to-five. They have other obligations. They can't commit all the time that it would take to do that. But here, everybody that's here isn't from here. It's like a thing that people have worked really hard to get to. It's like something you obtain is moving to L.A. and being able to make films full-time. So people put that sort of, like, 
investment in doing that. You know, like they work full time. Everyone's got the same setup, and everybody wants to make a lot of movies and be successful. So it comes supernatural here. Like it doesn't feel like work every day. Just working on something new, and before I know it, I've done ten movies. Well, it's it's crazy because I I know a lot of people that have moved to L.A. and you, Dustin, are the only the second person that's so actually stayed there. stayed there and succeeded out there. Uh, you are actually the first one to actually continue to do why you moved out there. But yeah, I know a lot of people that move out there and they move back because a it's 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 hard, or b and b the most obvious is it's it's a lot more expensive right. out there and just let it stomp them to the ground type of thing. Are you, are you rubbing I like that your resilience. In? Are you rubbing that in because I had to move back from California? I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, know. You, you, you know, I didn't. But <laughs> now, do you do you think that Dustin that for some people, you know, they look at going to L.A. as it's going to be easier to get notice out there, but could it also be that everybody out there, it's so oversaturated with people that want to be like filmmakers or in the film industry that it's over, it's just overwhelming and that actually makes it harder? I would say there's a couple layers to this. First of all, when people think about moving to L.A., that's exactly what they think is, oh, my God, I'm going to move to L.A. It's going to be this $5,000 studio apartment with roaches in downtown. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> but people don't think outside the box. I don't live in L.A. I live in Marietta. So it's an hour away from L.A. I don't have to be in L.A. every day to make movies. I have to go make twice a month. So it's worth it for me to live here where I live. I have a two-room condo in a gated community surrounded by mountains and the ocean and everything, and I pay $1,500 a month. Right. But I would pay – I would pay $5,000 a month in L.A. for a a studio apartment. And so that's the biggest mistake a lot of people make is that they move to the city. They end up having to get three or four jobs to pay rent and then they can't make movies. And another thing that people, um, I think, don't plan for is that's what a lot of people have is the mindset that, oh, I'm going to get discovered, I'm going to go to LA, and I'm going to meet the right people. It's actually, it's sort of like you have to do that part yourself. Like what worked for me before moving here was Nemesis 5 was my 50th film. So when I moved to California, I had 50 movies under my belt. So when I came here, I could make those connections instantly. People in the industry took me serious. They could type up my name on Google. I pop up everywhere. I've got all these movies. Oh, he's legit. That's all I needed. People don't get discovered. They have to advertise themselves. It's about, in the day of social media, sadly, it's about branding. It's about becoming something that people desire specifically so that you'll get hired. I'm known for making movies fast and cheap and good. So people will hire me for that. On average, uh, how long from writing to casting to filming to the editing and having the final product product out there. How long on average does that take you to do a, a one feature length film? Two weeks. Two weeks. Jeez, man. A it's lot. a marathon. Cause I, I have to, <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I do it day and night, you know, I get up at 6am and I eat breakfast and I start working and I just do that, you know, and I have to do it. I could spend more time, I suppose, but there's not really a point because we get it done. You know, when you have a lot of people, kind of doing the different jobs. It's not like kind of like how it was there where you end up having to wear five hats and you're right, doing all right. the work. I mean, I've got everybody working on a piece of it, just sending me things over the internet and meeting up with hard drives. And it's just, it's very fluid, you know, it's like so very different it really that. only takes a couple. And I want to, I don't want to take more than two weeks or I don't allow myself rest, you know, because I have to have a couple of weeks before the next project, which includes pre-production. So basically I'll do a movie for two weeks, have a week to kind of just like go to the beach and hike and shit. 
and then a week later I'm pre-production on the next one. Was it hard for you? Because I know when you were in Lincoln and we would work on things, you did a lot of the stuff. Like, and that's like how you said that out here, you when you make a movie, you wear a lot of hats, and you know it's not right. uncommon for the director to also be the cinematographer or also moving lights around and all this stuff. You did that a lot out here when you moved out there, and now you had people that were kind of at your beck and call to work on this. Was it hard for you to delegate or is it just like a sigh of relief that, okay, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Somebody else is doing it. It's like, fuck it. One week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it took some adjustment for sure. I mean, like when I first, it was, but it was a realization because it's like a different level here. You know, it's like, I'm doing it here to turn a profit every month so I can legit. My I have to make, I make, an average honest truth about three to four grand a month profits for my movies. And that's how I survive. Yeah. And so I have to, I have to do it the right way to build a profit. I have to have crew members that all get paid to do their part. And then we're all in it together and we can keep creating together. And so I had to learn that like that. I say, would say is the thing I learned that you can't really do it all yourself or you're going to wear yourself out and you're not gonna be able to get to the point of really earning profit. Now with your shotgun style, um, and I've noticed with a lot of your new movies, you do use a lot of the the same crew and same actors. Is that just because you have a lot of faith with those actors, or do they just fit your mold you like to work with? Well, I mean, if you look at throughout history, the big cult directors, that's what they do. People like Rob Zombie, people like John Waters, John Carpenter, they all work with a lot of these same actors because they're people they can depend on. They understand what they can bring to table as, as an actor. So when they write the scripts, they have those people in mind. And there's, you know, like I said before, a sense of community with these people because it becomes something they can look forward to. Like, oh, the next movie next month, we're all going to see each other again. You know, and it kind of becomes that thing where it's like our excuse to get out of the house. You know, like I get out of my editing day for a few days to go and have fun with everybody and then come back and we do it again next month. Right. And it, so it's really, it boils down to a preference, but then we're all also succeeding together. You know, the, the more famous I get, the more known I get, it goes with these actors too. Right. It's all like all rising tide floats all boats kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. So this next question I have for you, um, I meant to ask it earlier, but we kind of, you know, I got a little bit ahead of myself. But um, I'm so excited! I know <laughs> I, I, I'm catching up with a buddy. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you this question, Dustin, but I'm going to answer it, and you tell me if if I'm right, because I think I might know this. So you know, uh, your main thing is is horror genre, correct? Yeah. Okay, that wasn't the question, <laughs> but simply uh, <laughs> all okay. <laughs> which horror movie out there, or which horror franchise, uh, had the biggest impact on you when you were getting, like, growing up and just getting into filmmaking? So that's the question. My answer is for you, and tell me if I'm wrong. Is it Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You don't know me. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, because, you know, Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's like one of my favorite um, fran right. franchises. And I know uh, one of the movies that I got to work on with you, and we'll get more into that in the next segment here, but um, was Meat Hook Massacre, which, by the way, you can't see, but I am wearing the T-shirt from the very first Meat Hook Massacre. Uh, that movie oh, you are? I am. Oh. I am. Uh, but, um, 
Meat Hook Massacre, working on that one, it was very, it was pretty much like your ode to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, correct? Yeah, that was, that was one of the first work for hire movies I did. It was like this VHS company that wanted to produce two movies that would be released like on a limited edition VHS in certain territories. And one of the movies was Meat Hook Massacre, and the other one was a Faces of Death ripoff called Faces of Dying. So I did a Texas Chainsaw ripoff and a uh, Faces of Death. But then what was interesting is after we did that, they sold the rights to me, so I was able to make it my franchise. Well, and that, that this can kind of lead us into segment two, which is kind of the projects that we've worked on together. Um, that's me and you, and then also uh, Justin, which, Justin, you were in Meat Hook Massacre 2, correct? See, si. Yes. Okay. Elaborate. <laughs> I played a... Uh... <laughs> I play Justin or something like that. The brother. Uh, yeah, I think he's just Justin, isn't it? <laughs> it was a very interesting experience. It was a uh, well, and, like the locations. I was like, "Holy crap!" Like this is a. Uh, I, I some of the locations I, I had no idea was even out there. Like there's a cave underneath a bar. It was like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, because when yeah. I watched it, I was just like, "Where the hell did you guys go to like New Mexico or something like that to film this or what?" So. That's- my my first um, experience with you, Dustin, was you had reached out to me to do to be part of a um, DVD compilation thing called Silly Scaries Two. Um, yeah, that that was uh, you know I, I remember at the time I was going on like I think it was like year two or three after we had wrapped up filming my first feature length film called The Shadow's Edge. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to get into that. Probably uh, about 30 things under his belt. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, at that time, Dustin had, it was working on his 220th feature length film. Uh, oh, shut up. <laughs> but you had reached out to me, I, I guess, you know, I'm not going to like try to turn it. So all the attention's on me, but how did you hear about me and why did you reach out to me? I was always curious about that because I hadn't really talked to you or really done much with people in the Lincoln area. And I was fairly new to the filmmaking community at that point. Well, something I think that's taken a few years for people to notice is I've kind of done that a lot throughout the years is I've reached out to other people to sort of provide opportunity the way that it was provided to me because I think that in order for us all to succeed, we have to work together and rely on each other. And I think that when talented people collaborate, you create great things. And I remember seeing The Shadow's Edge, I think it was your first teaser or something that I'd seen that was like video footage of it. And I was like, this guy lives in Nebraska? And then I saw that you lived in Omaha, and then, yeah, I just reached out to you. Because I was looking for directors to, yeah, create Stephen Frank for Philly Series 2. And we just started talking. I can't remember the first time we actually met. Was it, like, for pretzels or something? Or was that just, like, a regular thing we started doing? The beer cheese pretzels? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Applebee's and their beer cheese pretzels. That was, yes. yes they're, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if we met, uh, to talk and discuss silly scares. I do remember that I had a very uh, small time frame to get that film because I think you said I had like anywhere from eight to 12 minutes to fill for this DVD because you had submitted a yeah. project to it. And then uh, two other filmmakers, Joshua Wexelman and Tyler Schmidt, also had some short films. And so you told me I had like eight to 12 minutes. And I think you told me I had like two weeks to do it, which 
to you, that's nothing. A, a short film. Yeah, an eight to tw- on your toes. Yeah, <laughs> an, an eight to twelve minute film for you can be shot in five minutes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I just remember, I'm like, holy crap! I've got to really like. I was like honored by this, and but you did it. I mean, I, you did it, right? I, I did. I mean, I, I wrote, I I wrote this thing from scratch. I cast it, we filmed it, we edited it, and I was just like. I was very proud, and uh, Justin, you were in that movie too. It was called Junior and whatnot, but yeah. And then you had—I remember the uh, JoJo. You had the uh, theater in Lincoln. Um, you had the premiere there, and that was that was cool. I, I really enjoyed because it it's that's an old style. Theater. Have either of you guys been oh, to the yeah. JoJo theater? I don't think. I think it was there for the premiere, but it's—it's. Yeah. It, it's like I feel like Justin was there. Uh, I remember him yeah. being. Oh yeah, because what's her what's her name showed up too? Uh, who was part of it? Wow, what is her name? I'm totally spaced. That was forever ago. That was like 2011 or something. <laughs> it was. It was a while ago. But... Yeah, it was before I was here. And I, I don't think the JoJo's not around anymore, is it? Yeah, it's still there. Oh, is it's it? It's still there. Did yeah, it? If he's still doing his thing, man. It's mostly like they have like church service. I mean, because I still follow them on Facebook. So actually, he still has like church services on Sundays that are free in the JoJo, and they do like kids' birthday parties and all that. Really interesting. I'm gonna have to check that out. I thought for some reason they weren't there because I had thought about doing uh, an unemployed screening there, and I think they were down for a while for like uh, renovations. And oh, stuff. they did like remodeling or yeah. something. Yeah, that could be it. Um, I think that was about the same time that the Dundee Theater went down for a while, and then I don't did is the Dundee back up? I think oh, yeah. it is, but it's under the management of Film Streams, and. Um, you know, I, I know some people aren't happy with that because of the reputation of film streams. Uh, we won't get into that, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, no, but yeah, we've worked on, I'm, I'm, I'm counting here. One, two, three, four, five. I think we've worked on five feature length films together, Dustin. Um, that first week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget the Egyptian lover video. Yes. And that's, that's on the list too. But I think our first movie we ever did together feature length with, was Die, Sister, Die. That one got um, a lot of yeah. accolades for it. Yeah. Brink Stevens, uh, which you, you still have, um, quite the relationship with her out there now in California. She's in literally every movie I make now. I mean, she lives really close to me. So. Who, everybody lives next to you. I, I, we won't get into that. We're going to get into the people you've worked with next segment. That, that'll be a fun one. But um, Now, we did a movie. It, it, it's called Gloved Murderous, but for the life of me, I cannot remember. What was Gloved Murderous originally called? It had like a, a very like Spanish. no one time. Yes. I could not remember what that was. I'm so glad we went with Gloved Murderous because it's a lot <laughs> easier to say. <laughs> I will. I, yeah, it was the original Italian name, and it's just the literal English translation. Yes. Now, I will say, out of all the movies I've worked on with you, that was probably the most um, goriest movie. Um, I just showed my manager that movie like last week because he came came over to get paving and get some stuff, and so we had like an hour to kill, and he's been wanting to see it. He's like bringing it up all the time. He's like, "That Club Murders movie did. That Club Murders movie did." So I finally showed him, and I was like, "Okay, well, it's like." It's got some penises in it. <laughs> some. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's, it's fine. Uh, and then he, showed, I showed, he loved it, but he's like, yeah, it was your most graphic movie I've seen. Yeah, I, I remember very vividly the glory hole scene 
where yeah. <laughs> Vonnie's lost it. But I'm gonna, Every good sentence starts with, you know that glory hole scene? <laughs> well, so That's the best. Basically, it's so good. basically it's so good. this penis comes through the glory oh, hole. Oh, I know how they work. And up to two like, bricks. You my butt. So, sorry, the sorry for right the, here the spoiler my, here. Uh, but, but the spoiler is two bricks smash it together and just explode the penis. And... I just remember, like, the way it was filmed, like, we used this big dildo, and it was, like, it was long, and I'm, like, when it kept coming through the glory hole, I'm, like, this thing's never going to end, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's there's a very famous picture of me on Facebook where I'm holding a giant penis oh, yeah. dildo, pointing at it, smiling at it, that's on set from it, uh, but then we also cut off a penis in an alleyway. And I remember there was a shot that you wanted where the penis just plops on the ground. Um, Guess where my film credit is? The opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember we, we couldn't get it to do exactly what we wanted to. We kept moving farther and farther and farther and farther down the alleyway until it finally got where we wanted to. Um, and uh, a fun fact for everybody, and I'm sorry if he's listening to this, but uh, Benito Garcia that was a cast of his penis, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that, you know, oh, yeah, it was for the one that dropped from the credits. That's right. Yes. I heard that. Yeah, not, no, I'm not giving him that much credit. The one, the big one that came through the glory hole, I'm not going <laughs> to give him. Yeah. <laughs> that was a stunt penis. Now, now, I will say one of the most favorite uh, projects I've worked on with you was uh, Cheerleader Camp to the Death. Um, can God. you? That was an experience. <laughs> it was. We got to work with uh, Ari Lehman and Jennifer Banco, um, which there, there's a lot of stories to tell with that one. But um, how did that movie come about for you? Um, interestingly, the guy that originally hired me back for Sequel Camp 4, that was a movie I did through him. It was one of four movies that um, his company had hired me to direct. They wanted to market a truer camp sequel in foreign territories so they had me do it so yeah it was we did that what 2014 and we shot it in columbus nebraska you, that was your hookup with the cabin if it, i remember correct it was uh that was back when i was co-owning and co-running a uh, modeling group called the glam gore girls and we had a pair of twins that modeled for us and their parents had a cabin in the middle of like this wooded area. So I was like, yeah, this would be a perfect location for like a cheerleader camp. And, uh, I mean, I, I thought it turned out great, but it was the, the, the worst thing about that was, um, there wasn't a direct road to the cabin, uh, because it was just like all slush and trees down and stuff like that. Um, so we had to have quite the, uh, the hike <laughs> to get to the cabin. It was like a two mile hike. Probably. From like where you had, you're all like, hey, it's a short walk. You just park down on the road. We'll just walk. And it was like both times it thunderstormed yep. when we were walking, remember? Uh -huh. Like, and you're already like a mile into it. And it's like, you know, obviously you have to keep going. Because if you turn around the same distance, it's like both times we were, were drenched when well, we showed up. But you drove, yeah, you drove Ari Lehman, I think, one of the days, because he, he was being a pre Madonna. And so you guys, actually drove through the terrain. Yeah. You guys got to avoid the rain one time. Let me tell you about that one. So, yeah, that I, it, it wasn't just Ari. Jen Banco didn't want to walk, too. And, I mean, I, I get it, too. Yeah. I mean, you're 
they're going to get soaked and then you're expecting them to act and put on a performance. So we took my HHR, which is Chevy's version of a PT cruiser. It's a little bit larger <laughs> and it was uneven terrain, mud, thick grass that was tall and hadn't been cut forever. I mean, it was, I was nervous. I can say that now I was nervous as shit because I'm ha- driving these two. And I mean, they were narrow paths because there was like barbed wire that lined the path yeah. too. And I'm like, if I drive off the road and stuff and yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. And I just actually said this on Facebook. Um, my uh, good friend, Michael Laughlin, our producer for this podcast, uh, he had a memory on Facebook came up and it was a picture that Jen Banco took of him that day. And I had commented, like, I remember that day she had her iPad and she was recording video of us driving, and she was in the back oh, seat. Oh, really? Yeah, she was in the back seat. Ari Lehman was in the passenger seat up front with me, and I was driving. And Ari, he was doing some kind of like English accent or Australian accent, commentating as I'm driving and like trying not to wreck and stuff like that. I really wish <laughs> she would have posted that because I would love to see that movie or that that video. And I mean it. You look at it too. I mean, you've got Ari Lehman, the first Jason, and then uh, Jen Banco, who was in part seven, was it? Friday the 13th, part seven? Yeah, she's young, 16, and seven. Yeah, but was, that was a very interesting one. And we also had to, to, <laughs> to look out for ticks. That was, it was right in the middle of tick season. Oh, my God. That. And I know, uh, was it Mark? Uh, and I always butcher his last name, the cinematographer, Mark Thin. Yeah. I just remember it was hot. And he had like his socks or his pants tucked into his socks. And I mean, we were all just constantly checking each other for ticks. And <laughs> That's one thing about it. You don't have bugs out here. Like the climate doesn't allow for it. It's... Like when people first move here, you see them put out bug spray. It's like hilarious. Like what bug? <laughs> it's so weird. It's like totally different. It's too expensive for the bugs to live out there. It so... is. <laughs> they can't live here. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what... Out of all the projects that we kind of worked on together, um, you know, another fun one was uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night 2. Um, that one was, that was very interesting. You had uh, Jennifer Runyon in that one, correct? Yeah. How, how do you get yeah. these, how, before moving out to L.A., how did you get these contacts with these uh, celebrities? Well, you know, again, I think even at that time, I had done probably 25 or 30 movies. It's so it's just, you know, people, a lot of people out here, they just want to work. They want to work. They want to get money so they can pay their rent. And so if they are approached by somebody and they do the research on them, they look legit, then they'll usually go for it. And I just had enough films that, and enough mutual friends within the industry already at that point that I was a trustworthy person. And, you know, we talked on the phone and everything before she came and, uh, I think it, you know, it was interesting in Nebraska. It was a lot more elaborate because these people were coming from LA to Nebraska. So it would be like this whole thing of having to pick them up at the airport and getting hotel rooms and all of that, which that obviously I don't have to deal with now. So it comes easier here. But I think that that, that sort of prepared me for living out here, doing all of that then. Yeah, that was always a fun thing is you always had me be your transportation since I was in Omaha. Yeah. So every time you yep. did these, yeah. Can you pick someone up for me and bring him to me? <laughs> I, 
other than Jeremy, who's the worst person you've worked with? <laughs> oh, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because to give an honest answer would be unprofessional oh, yeah. because I will say that the the more you get out there, obviously most people realize that the bigger you get, the more people, um, you have more fans, but you also have more haters. True. And so there's people throughout my career, especially since I've, I've moved out here, that are backstabbers, you know, because that's a big part of this industry. A lot of people that want to succeed but don't necessarily have the means to do it will just take and do what they have to do to get it. So I've definitely worked with my hand, like a handful of unsavory characters. But I would say that the majority of my career has been spent with really good people, that I tend to surround myself with great people. And Jeremy's one of the best people I worked with when I was in Nebraska. Woo! I'll, I'll send you that payment later for some of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's kind of through PayPal. Crazy, too, because, I mean, like, uh, well, I mean, you, you deal with that, I guess, on well, on both sides, the director, the acting, I guess just working on a film set type of thing. Anything sort of professional, you're going to get the hate, and the hate's going to grow you, so... It kind of helps out. I really admire your your resilience towards that, and like, uh, you know, being an Omaha well, person, and you being a Lincoln base, you know, like, you know, so many actors are like, oh, are you gonna, you know, audition for the uh, new Dustin movie? I'm like, oh, I, didn't I just audition for it? Or like, no, not that one. Then I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, you know, and that's a big part of. What I think that people need to, that are doing this need to have the mindset is that all you have to do. To succeed, like, like, I'm not special. I'm not anybody different than anybody else. I just did it. You know, I just decided to do it. And I feel like a lot of people are apprehensive. A lot of people can't take criticism. A lot of people can't take the exposure they get and the hate that they get, you know. And, it, and the just part, once you start doing it, is just not giving up. Because there's so many elements working against you, especially the, the higher up you go. It just gets harder and harder because it's more and more desirable. And that's how you have to treat it, that, like, the more you want, you know, the harder you got to work, just like with anything in life. And so I think it becomes more worth it. And, like, when I get haters and stuff, it just – it becomes more obvious to me how far apart we are, you know. And it's, like, it's all rooted in jealousy. It's unsuccessful people that want to bring you down because they can't get to where you're at. And that just becomes more apparent, you know, and it becomes less of a worry for me. So you're saying you barely sleep and you barely get down about anything. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just – and you never get you gotta bug- work hard if it's on you, you know. That's what it's about. And you never get bug bites either, because <laughs> there's. No- hey, what's that? <laughs> I said, and you never get bug bites either, because there's no bugs out. In- yeah. <laughs> well, there's snakes, there's spiders, and there's lots of lizards. That's the cool thing. Like everywhere I see cute little lizards running around everywhere. I love it. Cutest infestation ever. Yeah. If it, if it were snakes, I'd be I'd be done. Snakes cool. are like my kryptonites. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I was, I was from NorCal. We just had rats. I'm okay with rats. No, you're not. You the, you, you don't live with rats. That well, was my, if, that if was there my were, life. If there was a rat Fucking living rats. in my house or rats, I'm not, yeah, but it's just like I don't cringe at them like I do snakes. Like just saying the word snakes, I'm like puckering right now. So <laughs> now one thing like you did, you you opened up a lot of doors and opportunities for me, Dustin. So I do thank you for that. Um, like, had it not been for you giving me some opportunities and working with you on films out in Lincoln, like, the difference between Omaha and Lincoln was, was night and day when it came to filmmaking. Um, 
and there, there's not, I'm not saying anything bad about Omaha here, but Omaha, it's, how do I want to word this? Omaha, they're real, there's a lot of filmmakers out of, out here, but Douchey. No, no, I wouldn't say that. It's just people are kind of more in it for, I don't want to say themselves, whereas in Lincoln, like an example, in, in Omaha, trying to, I've been trying to, for the next short film I'm doing, find locations. And nobody is really, like, yeah, I've had a couple bites here and there, but it just isn't going to work. But had I done this in Lincoln, I would have probably had like 50 people like, yeah, you can use my place. Like, it, it, Correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, but Lincoln was more open to the fact of like letting a production film at their place and letting you film there for free and not necessarily be like, well, you can film here, but you got to pay me for it and stuff like that. Whereas like in Omaha, I feel like, oh, yeah, you can you can film here at my business, but you're going to have to pay me X amount of money to film there. And no blood. Yeah, and no well, blood. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's kind of like the like I was saying like with LA and, and Nebraska, it's a geological thing because Lincoln's a college town. So there's a lot of like hipster types, people that are free thinkers, independent artists sort of kind of gravitate towards that area. And so people are more open and receptive to stuff like that in Lincoln versus Omaha. Where I kind of feel like when I was living in Lincoln, Omaha was always sort of like you said, like they're a little more like to themselves, a little more aggressive about things. We Everybody knows none of them would ever work with me. <laughs> you know? So I was like, I kind of just had to do my own thing in Lincoln. And it's like, it's, it's just sort of because that's part of what the city was known for as a whole is the arts. And so it, it's the same thing here. You know, you just got to be surrounded by people that want to do the same thing and think in Omaha, at least at the time, they just had different motivations. Yeah. And I mean, and, I, and like I said, that's nothing against Omaha. Like I love it here. Right. And I mean, there, there, it is a little bit different than what it was several years ago. I think more people are open to, to do things or allow productions to happen. But, you know, I, I always, I, I mean, you have even said it to me, like you should, you should move out to Lincoln. It'd be a lot different for you. And it's like, yeah, I could. And now you're telling me I, I need to move out to LA. So, um, I well, don't, only you, I think that, well, it's a realization everybody gets, I think, at some point that takes it serious. You know, like, yeah, you could exist in Nebraska making features, but you're going to have to work a nine-to-five because you can't – there's no industry there. You can't go do that regularly and actually pay your bills there. Like, in order to do that, if that's what you want to do, you have to be in the environment that allows for it, like a place like this where everybody's doing that. Well, you've always told me, like, you know, I should come out there and visit and just get a taste of it and – one of these days, I will probably take you up on that. But like I said, I don't fly, so I'd have to drive out there. I mean, planes. Oh, I don't fly either. Like, I can't. I have like all sorts of issues with flying, so I don't like. I get it. I drove out here. It only took a day and a half, and that was with sleeping in Colorado on the way. It was actually kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, and I I love road trips. I haven't been on one for a while. I, I made the drive out to um, San Jose, California. Uh, geographically, I'm not sure how far that is. Oh, that's not too far from me. This would be an hour-ish from so, me. So, yeah, essentially I'd made the drive out your way. Um, now, I want to talk about, you had mentioned him earlier, Egyptian Lover, um, who uh, you shot a song of his called <laughs> Freaky Deaky Machine. Scared um, my baby. <laughs> well, true, true story, Dustin. Uh, Lonnie, the other night, you know, in prep for this, um, he had said, you, know, you said there was a music video you guys had shot with Egyptian Lover. And I was like, yeah, it's Freaky Deaky Machine. So I sent him the link. 
Uh, and Lonnie has like a, is it a four month old now. Four month, month? yeah. Uh, and every time he'd play it, he his son would start crying. So apparently, I think he's scared of the robot. You you think I, so? I think he was scared because he watched Chopping Mall with me the other day, and he was scared of those robots. So I think I broke him on oh, robots. Oh, Maroonie, she's actually a friend of mine. I think I broke him on robots. But so short circuits out. But Egyptian lover, I will tell you this. Uh, he was probably the most intimidating person that I picked up for you. Um, I just remember uh, you told me, you gave me his flight information, and I went to the airport to pick him up, and I didn't know his real name <laughs> at the time. So I'm sitting there. <laughs> so I'm sitting there at the airport with a piece of paper that says Egyptian lover on it. And I can, oh only, I can only imagine what, because uh, I really didn't know what he looked like either. Um I can only imagine what people that were just arriving. You're like the from Nebraska, like, <laughs> Egyptian lover? <Yeah. laughs> but, but I will tell you that first, like, five to ten minutes in my car driving from Omaha to Lincoln with him, he didn't say hardly anything, and he just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be the longest, like, 45-minute, hour-long drive to Lincoln ever. But... He warmed up, and he was, he's actually a really, really cool guy. We had some nice conversations. Yeah. I think it was just that he was tired. He might have just woke up on the plane and stuff like that, and right. maybe he was just like, who is it? This dumbass has got a sign that says Egyptian lover. <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, explain that. Like, didn't he, wasn't he on, like, hiatus for a while from, like, his mu- music career, and you were, like, his first uh, music video back? Yeah, yeah, like he had obviously a very prolific career in the 80s and 90s. For people that don't know, he basically invented breakdance, like he was the pioneer of that. And then in the early 2000s, he stopped for a while, and then about 10 years later, he started putting out singles, and and yeah, it was 2013, he released that song. It was the first single for his first new album back. And I was already a fan of his, and I already had, you know, several music videos I made, so like I'd done a lot at the time. I just reached out to him and was like, hey... You know, I'll do a trade, you know, like I'll do your video for you, you know, if you let me use this, one of your songs and something. And I'm pretty sure that's how my conversations start with a lot of these artists. But, yeah, he was willing to do it, and uh, we took care of flying him here, and he picked him up and drove him around, and we shot that in, like, what, two hours and like, in between two occasions. It was freezing cold, too, because I remember because I had to park, like, a mile yeah. and a half away from the sound stage that we were um filming on and i just remember oh my god i think i was kind of sick at that time too with like a cold or whatever but that was that was a fun shoot um you you had well, like... it's funny too because he was from I and mean, we didn't really think about it then but you know because he's from california so for him and he must have been like freezing his freaking ass off oh because yeah what i've noticed was here is hilarious is people get acclimated to the heat fast like if it's 60 here people are walking around in like winter coats and mittens and scarves like for freezing fast in 60 in Nebraska is like a nice day. Yeah, you're in shorts with no shirt in Nebraska in 60. Yeah, yeah, because normally it's like 90 to 100, you know, most areas right here. So people at 60, it's like freezing. So I'm sure he was like tight. Well, and now that you say that, uh, I think that was another reason he might have been upset because I remember the heat in my car was not working the best. Like my <laughs> my heat, it was you. I would have to hit my dashboard several times, like really hard for the heat to kick in at the time. 
and I didn't want to look like a fucking lunatic and hit my dashboard <laughs> with him in the car. So it's like oh, no. it was kind of cold in the car. And sometimes, too, if you hit like a speed bump or something fast in my car, just the jolt would actually turn the heat on. So I was trying to call me to hit a speed bump. I was. I was hitting potholes. <laughs> I was at the airport going over the speed bumps at like 35, 40 miles per hour trying to get it. cannot drive. Yeah. So I think uh, my first impression was not a good one with him. But, um, but no, that was, uh, it was fun because you had like a, uh, a robot built um, of him yeah. for the video. Uh, which we probably will lead the link to the uh, Freaky Deaky Machine video so people can see what we're talking about. But, um, yeah, that was definitely a, a, an interesting one. Uh, and you still, uh, you, you're you in contact with him as well still, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good friend. We've had lunch a few times. He lives in Orange County, and so he's about 30 minutes from where I live. And he was just in, I did a documentary called Holly Weird, and so I interviewed him for his, like, you know, the pioneer of breakdance music. So he came, it was actually on Thanksgiving Day he came over because he was passing through. It was so funny because he had to go to San Diego, which is on the other side of me, to see his family. So he was driving back home. He's like, I'll just stop at your place and do the interview there. I'm like, okay. So yeah, he just came over and we did it. I remember I was the very first one to introduce him to Runza because – uh, I was just thinking that. I always remember you telling me that. And I missed Runza so bad. You were even now. Yep. <laughs> for those that don't know or any new listeners that are brought here for Dustin, uh, because of Dustin, Runza is exclusive to Nebraska. It's like a, it's a fast food sandwich hey, hey, plate. There's a Runza like two blocks down the road. It's okay, sorry. It's in it's part of Iowa, too. Come on, don't hate on Iowa. The, the, we got two things. <laughs> we got Runza and we got... Uh, tasty taco. That's all we got. Tasty taco is pretty good. I'll give you that. But, but no. Uh, yeah. I just remember getting him runza for the first time and just watching him eat it, and I was like, oh, I'm so jealous. The first time I ever had runza. I can't eat runza anymore because of my stomach issues. But, but yeah, I'll have to. I'll mail you a runza sandwich, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you have to. Because the thing is, people out here, you probably saw that because people out here don't eat a lot of beef because. That's more of like a Midwestern. People don't think about that. It's like a Midwestern thing. They farm cows there. So beef is more expensive here. So people eat a lot of other kinds of foods. Like it drives me insane. Like you go to pizza places here and half of them don't even have beef. They're like meatballs. You want meatballs on it? I'm like, no, ground beef. Y'all don't put beef on pizza. They're like, that's weird. Well, well, well maybe bizarre. I'll put a care package together uh, for for you. Uh, Give me a Casey's pizza and, and a Runza. That's yes. all I want. we got to negotiate this because I would really like a double-double right now. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say I'll send some Omaha steaks and all that stuff too. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's one thing living out here that we kind of take for granted is that, you know, we're – you we, we can kill a cow – in the morning and by dinner it's on the table <laughs> we just have to walk like two blocks and there's a herd somewhere yes so uh what so what is it you miss most about nebraska if anything at all and i, I you don't have to say me i know what's your second thing you miss <laughs> <laughs> well obviously it's you know i haven't been back since i moved out here so that's been tough because i haven't seen any friends or family i've seen maybe like Less than five of my actors, because they've come out, like, uh, Robert has come out for the Me Has Master sequel. Yeah. And, like, Clint Beaver's come out for a few things. So, yeah, I've got to see, like, a few of them, and that's been cool. But, uh, like, probably the biggest thing that took a long time to get used to is 
the weather. Like I moved, big reason I moved out here was for the nice weather. It's practically summer year round. That's amazing for filming because you always count on it. It's always great. But the fall time here, it's like you don't feel it. Like it's 90 degrees in summertime on Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and so like, and they can't grow pumpkins here because of it, because of the heat. So there's no pumpkin patches. So like there's on the other side of like the mountains past LA, like if I want to drive six hours, there's probably a farm where they can grow pumpkins, but they can't hear because it's basically a desert. So I miss that a lot. Like every Halloween season, it's tough because it doesn't have that Nebraska Midwestern fall time feel to orange leaves. Like we don't get that here. You know, it's just summer. And, and, and so go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You, you finish your thought. You can. You're our guest. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, that's just the biggest thing because it goes to the same thing like with Christmas. Like, I remember the first year when I moved here, it was it was like 100 degrees on Christmas Day. And it's like, what do you do? Like, you can't go do anything. We went and ate, like, cold corral buffet on Christmas. <laughs> it was just like what people do. It's so weird. And, and that's one thing, too, like, a lot of people that live in Nebraska, you know, fall is their favorite time just because yeah. you really, that's the colors change outside. You go from green colors to like orange, yellow, brown colors. There, There's a nice crisp coolness in the air. Nothing to where like you're bitter, cold and freezing. But yeah, pumpkin patches are like the, the one of the, the coolest things around here in the fall time and, uh, yeah, I don't think I could I could live without that stuff. I mean, Halloween's kind of my life with my full-time job. Oh, no, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, but the thing is, like, I started to figure out by the second year, it's like it's like there's a trade, you know what I mean? Like, there's the pumpkin patches and haunted houses and stuff they have in Nebraska, but they don't have, like, Universal Horror Night. Right. Or any of, like, the, the big shit that they have, like, in L.A. and Hollywood that I can just go to, that, like, Rob Zombie's running or it's a Halloween-themed or Chucky-themed. They don't get that in Nebraska. So it's sort of like... That's what I've convinced myself, you know, because it is. It's, I think it's a worthy trade. I still miss going to Roca Berry Farm and walking through the pumpkin patch doing hay rack rides. But at the same time, I cherish those memories because I had so much of my life in the past there that I, I can always have those memories. And now I have the opportunity to do these other things here and enjoy them too. Do you ever think about coming back to Nebraska for like a week or anything like that? Or is that kind of like, eh, I don't want to make that drive all the way out there? This is going to sound ridiculous, but for a lot of reasons, I feel like I've been working through some PTSD from Nebraska because a lot of people know that I struggled a lot as a filmmaker there. There were a lot of people that just didn't like me for whatever reason, and so it was always like an uphill battle for me, and I feel like when I moved to California, a lot of things happened when I got here that made me feel like I was starting my life over again. Like, I was in a whole new area. I met all new people. I have a manager now. I have all these people that watch after me, like a family. Like, it's this new family I have and this new life that I have. And so I feel like, sadly, a lot of times when I think about Nebraska, it's overshadowed by a lot of the bad memories of filmmakers, you know, spread rumors about me or people trying to sabotage things. And it's it's hard for me. I, I still have to work through all that. I want to one day come back because I want to see my family and a lot of my friends, but I think right now I'm very much establishing myself here. I want to focus on my career here. And then when I'm at that place, I can go back. Well, you definitely have to let me know when you're coming back. Um, and like I said, I. Oh, I will. You're, you're like, you're in my small handful of friends that I would make an effort to go see for sure. Woo. You're not Justin. Damn it. You didn't say you. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think with that, I think before we get into our uh, final segment with you of like your more current project and like people you've gotten to work with out there, uh, we have a little game that we're going to mix play. it up. Yeah. We're, oh. we're, this is a, this is a fun little game. Um, it's, Right now, it's it's called like Movie Journal Excerpts. Uh, the name might change a little later. We did a, a couple episodes. We did this, um, but I'll, I'll kind of explain the rules for new listeners, old listeners, and even for Dustin here. So, um, what it is is so Lonnie, Justin, and I each wrote two Movie Journal, or did you only write one, Justin? Two. Okay, we each wrote two mer- Movie Journal <laughs> excerpts. And, bas- and basically what it is, is we're going to read it, and Dustin, at any time, so basically if when Lonnie's reading his, it'll be myself, Justin, and you, Dustin, playing against each other. He's going to read a journal excerpt that he wrote. If at any time you think you've figured it out, you say stop. And then what you need to tell him is, first, the movie that it's from. And second, which character from that movie is writing this journal excerpt? Okay. And if, you, if you're wrong, then we will he will start reading from where that is. And then if Justin and I feel we think it, we can say stop. But once you take a guess, if you're wrong, you're out, and you have to wait till we take a guess. And if all of us are wrong, then he'll continue reading and so on and so forth. And at the end, we will see who has the most points. Um, and the the special thing about tonight's is that it's all from the horror genre. Oh, oh, oh. Um, and I'm <laughs> I, I'm actually Dustin because I mean you I can only imagine. Uh, I remember when you were in Lincoln, your um, your horror movie uh, collection was quite large. Um, His collection? What do you mean? Like, he had a he had a a movie a rental store. This is true. So I'm excited because, you know, one thing, Dustin, I think, I think you and Lonnie have very similar taste in um, your, your horror movies that you like. And before we started recording, Lonnie told me that he picked some, some good ones. So it'll well, be interesting to okay. see. Well, and it's great, too, because like him having the store, uh, a really close friend of mine when I was living in Des Moines, uh, he had – a store as well. It was called Tiki Taki Tapes. And, uh, they, it, it, yeah, it's pretty late. Tiki Taki Tapes. But, uh, he specialized in VHSs as well. I, he really didn't oh, have, cool. he, it really, he didn't have many in store, but you'd go to his house and he just had racks upon racks of classic VHS tapes. And when his store went out of business, he just loaded me up with VHS copies of classic, like, but blood sucking freaks and oh, wow. and uh, the wizards of gore and just amazing VHSs. It was amazing. I loved it so much. And st- I'm really loud all of a sudden. I- you're good. That's, oh, right. You're also. I can hear you better though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you and the funny when you had that before we get into this, Dustin. You you had like that movie rental store in Lincoln. Didn't you? You would also rent out the VHS player along with it because that's fucking great. Most people didn't have VHS players. Yeah. So I, I we sold them. Like we would, I would refurbish them and sell them for like five or ten bucks. 
And so, like, yeah, we would do Facebook posts, like, VCR, and you'll have, like, six of them. They'd be gone in an hour. And people <laughs> – it was amazing because then people would run a bunch of movies, too. Yeah. Well, and VHS players are hard to come by these days. Like, even if you go to Goodwill, they're they're hard to find. I have one at home, and I'm thinking about putting it on eBay for, like, a 1000 bucks and see what happens. But <laughs> There's still crazy. a huge community of tape traders. Like, it, it – you kind of have Oh, yeah. To... It's blown up into a whole thing. Yeah, there's a whole collector's market. Yeah. All right, so we're going to do this again, at, Dustin, at any time when you feel you know the movie and the character, you can say stop, and he will stop. Uh, we'll start with Lonnie. You can go first. Do you want me and, to start? Okay. And so this is this first round is between Dustin, Justin, and myself. Okay. This one's the easier of the two. This town is out of their goddamn mind if they think I'd hurt her. I loved her more than life itself. Sure, we may have fought the night she died in the, the dinner where I tried to propose, but but if they think I killed her, they're out of their fucking mind. I'll find out who killed her if I have to go through every of the mind, every one of the minds of this goddamn town. I have to hold it like that. So it's squeaking when you're. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Go through every mind of the motherfuckers in this piece of shit town. If I can't get rid of them, I'm going to use these horns on my head. They need to pay for what they did. Stop. Uh, isn't it Daniel Radcliffe's horns? Well, you got the movie right, but... Who did Daniel... Well, what do you say? I missed it. Uh, what did you say, Justin? Uh, Horns, the movie Horns with Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, oh, I never even saw that. Uh, wasn't it the Your Daniel Rad yeah. Radcliffe's character? His character was Ig Parish. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't. I All right, so there's a point for Justin. Son of a gun. <laughs> All right, Lonnie, go on with your your number two. You want to do my number two too? Okay. Well, no. Okay. We'll, we'll go. We'll go, uh, Justin. You can go ahead, or do you want me to go? Uh, I could do my number two. No, we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll let you play. This, this <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> so now it's going to be Lonnie, Dustin, and myself. I'm going to guess right away that he's going to go with uh, uh, speed. Damn it. <laughs> That's a point for Lonnie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so this journal entry here. Dear Diary. This is a bit awkward since I normally wouldn't consider myself much of a journaler, or is it journalist? Well, anyways, I figured I'd want to capture a bit of the happenings while I had the time. I've been unable to rest as of recent. As of lately, things have been really... let's just go with strange. So here we are, loaded passports, fresh gear. We wanted to take an adventure around Europe. Chris, Sandy, and myself took some time to ourselves to chase a thrill. And the thrill we have had. We seem to have gotten involved in the wrong crowd, and it's kind of costed me more than I expected. Chris is just trying to stay above water, but Andy has been going through a serious phase, especially since he met this chick. He really screwed the pooch on this one. It's always interesting when one of your buds gets love struck. Ah, uh, actually, it's pretty. I think I'm right now. Oh, go yeah. for it, Dustin. Hostile. Incorrect. That's what I was thinking, but... Oh, dang. All right. Did you have a... 
Yes, Lonnie? I have a guess, but I'm pretty sure it's it's wrong. I'm going to throw my guess out there. Is it American Werewolf Damn in it. Paris? It is. That's, I should have stopped it. <laughs> I was just like, but which character? Which character? Um, It's the friend who dies. Correct. I, I wouldn't have Jack. Guessed. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the the main characters was Andy, Chris, and Brad. It was Brad. It's Brad. <clears throat> I wasn't expecting to guess the character, but at least know who the character was. So. I should should have went with my gut instinct on that one and stopped it a while ago. <laughs> was was sco- uh, screwed the pooch the giveaway there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now it's. Uh, Dustin, Lonnie, and Justin playing for my first journal entry. This should be, hopefully, fairly easy. It's Lonnie 1, Justin 1. All right, so here we go. I hate these fucking kids. I just want to relax and heal. Who am I kidding? Even when I do heal, I'm still going to pretend I'm hurt and have her tend to my needs. She's one fine piece of ass. If only my friends from high school could see me now. They wouldn't believe I scored a chick like her. That damn baby of hers is annoying. All it ever does is cry. And don't even get me started on her son. What a fucking weirdo. He's probably going to turn into a serial killer someday. If the little shit tried anything with me, I'd crack my cast over the side of his he- his skull. Anyways, my favorite show is almost on. Stop. Okay. Is it Pet Cemetery 2? No, it oh, is damn. not. All right, so I'm going to continue. Anyways, my favorite show is almost on. Going to get drunk and fall asleep in my recliner. Ugh. Justin, Dustin, either of you have a guess? Uh, for some reason, I was thinking Freddy's dad's playing right. Nope. I don't know the name of this. but I The believe... cast is an obvious cast, but I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I was thinking it was like... There was a person who breaks into the house to try to kill him, and it was like his son who actually did it. Um, I I can't guess it. So. Okay, so I'm gonna give you guys all a hint, and uh, whoever thinks they got it, say got it, and I'll go with them first. So the hint is, it is from a Rob Zombie movie. Oh, uh, Halloween. Yes, and what was the character? Is it the abusive stepfather? I'll take that. His name is Ronnie, played by William Forsyth. Forsyth. Yeah, yes, yeah. that is correct. Is that your easy one? That's my easy one. I wow. that, maybe it's easy yeah, for wait, me. What? Maybe it's easy for me because <laughs> I'm obsessed with that movie. So of course, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he like reads the script as his bedtime story every oh, night. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> oh, William Forsyth. Which, by the way, I just. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I ordered 24 by 36 posters of every Rob Zombie movie. Those are sweet, movies. by the way. Oh, yeah. That, well, no, those were 11 by 6. House of a Thousand seven. Corpses one was sick. Yes. That, I'm going to chalk to that. Super jelly of that, that one. That, uh, yeah. Those were fantastic. So, all right. So, it looks like I'm the only one with zero points. Dustin's got one point. Lonnie's got one. And Justin has one. We're going to have three more here. So we'll go with Lonnie's right. second one. This one's a cult classic, and I don't think you guys will get it. Uh, man, this is good shit. Put me out of business and out of my ass, but it's all worth it. I just can't get enough of this creamy, white, deliciousness. Uh, I know. Go for it. 
Is it the stuff? Fucking right, it's the stuff. <laughs> Who said it? Uh, I don't know the character's name. Um, it's not the dad. It's not the dad. We'll give him the point. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, it was just because I've never seen it, and I've never seen the stuff. I have haven't seen it. It was it was chocolate chip Charlie. That was going to be my guess. Okay. Uh, I was going to say uh, cookies and cream Charlie, but <laughs> well, you were wrong. <laughs> All right, so Dustin's, Dustin's leading. Got the lead. I love that fucking movie. Right. By the way, if you haven't seen the stuff. It is, it is, it'll change your life. Oh, I have to see it. I have a, a stuffed container, actually, um, from Larry Cohen, autographed by him. Nice. All right. You guys ready? Go for it. So, second one here. <clears throat> this town just ain't the same anymore. Sure, we got some nice views, tourist attractions, always something going on. I mean, business is good. My brother and I helped manage the family shop, but business could be better. Stop. The Lost Boys. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> um, Dang. Is it... It's one of the Frog Brothers. Is it... It's either or. <laughs> it, they both, both work. Well, son of a gun. So it's tied between Dustin and Lonnie, too. So if one of them gets this... They win. If I Or if you get it, it's a three-way <laughs> three tie. And I don't know that I have a tiebreaker, but I will think of something. Okay. <laughs> so I'm excited with this one. Here is my second journal excerpt. Most people would be shocked to know from my appearance that I carry a journal with me, but I do. You never know when or where the inspiration to write all will, write will happen. Stop. I'm just going to um, miss out on my death note. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, but here I am sitting in an old ass dentist chair surrounded by spider webs, which may be fake or real. Hard to tell what's real or not right now. I'm a night owl and was planning on staying up all night anyways. I was just hoping that my girl would be with me. I wonder what's taking her so long. Ah, another faint scream in the distance. This one sounded more manly. I hear footsteps approaching. I better get going. I really wasn't supposed to leave the group. I thought I just heard Sasha. My mind is starting to play tricks on me. I'm getting angry, too. This host of ours is becoming more of an asshole. Might add a few more scars to his face. Any guesses? That can't be the shot of that. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and, which <ca> and which character wow. was it? It was that the main bad guy, the host of, that was taking him around? That, the that, guy? that was the host, but who wrote it? Which character? Uh, what was it? The mid, the, it was the main boy that wrote it, right? Is no, it Justin? It was just Justin's character, Eli. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. But you get I the point know. anyways, Dustin. So I was like, I was pissed. Just wow. When I Justin... didn't think your head was big enough to get out of the room as is, but now, fuck. <laughs> I was hoping, I was mad when Justin... Wasted chimed money. in yeah. and wasted. I was like, I wanted you're to like see. You're staring at him in person as you're telling him. It's like, you know this one. <laughs> like, he's looking right at me and wow. reading this, and it's, my mind is like, whoa. Uh, so, Dustin, you are the winner. You have three. Uh, Lonnie's in second Ooh. place with two. Justin's got one, and I got zero. Wah, wah, wah. So, I guess, I guess uh, you, your prize will be um, 
I'll, I'll send you some Omaha steaks or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I want to run the freeze dry it. <laughs> okay. I'll right. overnight it for you. Now, speaking of that, though, yeah. I, I just found out that they can freeze dry and send you Chicago deep dish pizza from Giordano's. Yeah. That uh, shit, like, hmm. that's what I want for my birthday, so get on it, you two. Okay. <laughs> remind me. Tonto. Your birthday, what, it's in like four days or something like it that? It was yesterday. Your birthday was yesterday? 16th? Yeah. I thought it was. Oh, that's oh, right. So you're already birthday. late. It was. I'm, I'm sorry. You're already late. So. Well, happy happy birthday. Yeah, thanks for remembering, you Flex. <laughs> I remembered. I just didn't yeah, remember sure the day. So, um, I, well, I, I made you guys cupcakes, and you didn't even remember. I didn't. Oh, that was a, that was a see, what, see what I have to put up I with, thought Dustin? A, I thought it was a hamburger. <laughs> you fed it to the dog. <laughs> it's chocolate. Speaking of, do you still have your cat, Dustin? Your, like, cheetah, yeah, cheetah um, print cat? Yeah. Yep, Safari. She's, like, 10 years old now, I think. She's how old? She's 10. Wow. Yeah, I remember I know. when you got that, I thought you had a freaking cheetah or something or a jaguar. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? Yeah she's, yeah, she's a Bengal. It's like a, um Asian snow leopard bred with a Siamese cat. Mm. So I, I, this I, that actually, I don't know why that reminded me of this, but before we go on to your current projects here, uh, back to your the Meat Hook Massacre. One of the stories I was going to tell was you kind of were trying to recreate the uh, the living room in Texas Chainsaw Massacre with like oh my god <laughs> with like <laughs> with like feathers on the ground and all this stuff and you had told me that that pig head <laughs> it wasn't a fucking pig head it was a full pig body so oh it, yeah yeah <laughs> there's like this like tub out front that's got a plas- black ba- plastic bag and he told me it's a pig head in it so we're decorating the set and stuff and then. We were all taking a, a lunch break, and he's like, go ahead and put the pig head on. So I bring it in. I open it up, and first of all, I'm, like, gagging so much because like, this, I thought it was a prop. the <laughs> smell of death. Yeah. And it wasn't just the pig head. It was the pig head, and the body had been skinned, and it weighed, like, a good, like, 50, 60 pounds, it felt like, and I just remember, like, I couldn't, like, I was about to throw up from the smell. <laughs> you, you, you eventually nixed it, and we didn't end up using yeah. that. But I always think, too, if we would have, your couch would have been fucked because <laughs> never would have recovered. Well, see, and that was because Robert, who played Bubba the Killer, he worked at a slaughterhouse, and he. So we were trying before that movie. I was like, contact everybody, I'm like you know, people that lived on farms. I need feathers, I need bones, you know, we're doing this whole scene. And so I was collecting all these things and he just told me, he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I know there's slaughter and pig, like we just saved the pig head, you think that'd be a cool problem? And I was like, Well, okay, that actually sounds like it'd be perfect for this movie. So he like had me go pick it up and I never looked at it. Because it was like he said it was like in a black bag, like in a container, and I was like, Oh, picking up the pig head, put it in my trunk, <laughs> drove home, left it in the backyard in the middle of the summer to cook, apparently. Oh my God. And then and then I'm like, oh, okay, it's time for the scene. Jim, can you go grab that pig's head? Yeah. <laughs> and you bring it in, and immediately, like, as we open that, we're all like, <laughs> it was... and so we like, covered it right back up and took it back outside. I'm like, not using that. What did you end up doing with it? Did you put it in your neighbor's backyard? <laughs> <laughs> I gave it back to Robert because he was there. He just he just took it back. I was, oh. you know, that was the plan because he was going to be able to take it back with him. So I'm like, dude, we ain't using those. 
I would have probably, if we would have gotten out of the bag and used it, I probably would have had to have left. <laughs> like, well, it smelled, it, I remember it did smell for like a day or two. Like you could smell <laughs> rotting flesh in my house for like two days. It sucked. Well, that's perfect. One more body. We just literally need to get bodies. Now. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we uh, move on to the our last segment here with Dustin, we want to do a sponsor plug for our producer, uh, Michael's photography company, ML Image, which has been around since 2005 and specializes in boudoir, glamour, nude glamour, ink, gore, horror, all that stuff. Um, you can check out his stuff at www.mlimage.com. That shit ain't safe for work. Though. It's not safe for work, so don't open it up when you're at work unless you want to get fired. And you can also subscribe to his Patreon page, uh, which is ML Image. Uh, he's got three tiers, $10.00. $20 and $30. So definitely check out his stuff. If you're a model interested in working with him, you can contact him at mlimage.com. Uh, so yeah, ML Image is our sponsor tonight where image is everything. Unless you work at home, then open it up all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we now go on to... Um, he shot my wife. He did shoot your <laughs> wife and, and your mom apparently. Too. I was talking about Dustin. Dustin shot my wife. He did. She he was. Did, a, she yeah. was a Nemesis was, Five, Nemesis wasn't she? Five, yeah. Oh, so. So let's uh, definitely. Uh, we're going to talk about some of your current projects and stuff that you're working on. Um, you've gotten to actually since you've been out there. You've also got to work with a lot of uh, big names, and I'm just going to name a few, and then I'm going to have you, Dustin, tell us more of them. But like, well, before you get into that, I want to personally thank Dustin Ferguson uh, for doing a film with with Mark Patton. Um, he is one of the sweetest men on this planet. I absolutely adore him, and seeing him in a film just it melted my heart. So thank you so much for that. Oh yeah, no, totally. He's a very great person. I'm very deserving of the work. You uh, you brought him out when you had the sh the video shop in Lincoln to do a signing out there, didn't you? Yeah, that was. I did that movie right before Nemesis 5. It was for my second Amityville movie. He was in that one. And so I had just opened the video store, and it was right before Nemesis 5. And so we had timed it so that, yeah, he could do, like, an in-store signing one. And I, I was very mad I wasn't able to make it out there for that. Like, I really wanted to. But I'm assuming it was probably something with work that wasn't allowing <laughs> yeah. me to be out there. But... Uh, but no, you uh, like I mentioned before, you you got a, you've been working with Brink Stevens out there, um, Alana Evans. You've done a lot of stuff with. Um, you even said like she doesn't she live like down the street from you or something like that. Yeah, she lives in San Diego, and so it's actually really convenient because she doesn't have to go all the way to LA for work. She can just come here. So we like do a lot of stuff together. Well, and one of the the names that really was very impressive to me not that none of these other names aren't impre impressive was clint howard like how how did that oh, yeah. how did that even come about he's so nice like he okay so it's crazy because he actually worked on a film in nebraska like three years ago really and it was like colby coash was involved and so he was like he got to know um clint and so he was actually my original contact. And so he's like, well, you know, it's not, because it's one of those things, you know, he's famous. You don't want to give out his number just to anybody. And he's like, well, you know, I trust you. You're in LA now, you know, like you guys, because I needed, I was trying to get a hold of him for my documentary direct to video that we did last summer. 
because he's in all those direct-to-video war movies. I felt like he was the person to interview. And so I had been trying to reach out through Facebook, all the regular avenues. And then I remember that Colby had worked with him. So I reached out to Colby and he's like, all right, you know, I talked to him. He said, I give you his number. So he gave me his number. I called him up. We had like a three-hour conversation. He's like super cool, like really chill. He, I don't want to give out too much about his personal life, but he's a very relaxed person. He um, doesn't work a lot now, and so he's a little more selective. But he did our documentary, and he showed us he does snow globes. He makes homemade snow globes. He has this giant collection of snow globes that are like movie scenes. And he has like a Michael Jackson thriller one. And like all these, they're like really well-made, intricate snow globes. And he was like showing us, that's like his life right now. But so he's also going to be in our zombie movie we're shooting in a couple months called Hell of the Screaming and Death. That's that's incredible. You know, and like one of the things I was surprised to see him in, and you know, I always go back to Rob Zombie, but he was in Three from Hell. Uh, Mr. Baggy Britches, I think, was the name of his yeah, character. Yeah, he oh. was filming, he filmed that the night before we interviewed him. Seriously? We were supposed to do yeah, we were supposed to do his interview that day, and he couldn't do it because he was filming with Rob Zombie. And so we had arranged to do a scene for my shark movie in his neighborhood because there was an actor that lived nearby and went to do a scene for us. So I was like, well, I got to film there anyways. We'll do it the next day. So he was, like, all tired and stuff from, like, filming. So, like, it took a forever to answer the door. And everybody's like, oh, sorry, I'm off the toilet. Like, <laughs> he's very, like, how you'd expect him to be. And he was just super cool. He's like, yeah, you know, we, I just wrapped my movie. Because nobody knew about the movie then when he was talking about it. He's like, it's called Three from Hell. You know, it's the follow-up to Devil's Rejects. And that, because it wasn't, like, public knowledge yet. So we knew about it then. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. So we're asking all these questions off camera about it. It was really cool. See, I always use the word jealous around you, Dustin, because I am. I'm jealous of you. <laughs> you get to do some cool stuff and meet some cool people. Uh, why don't you just tell us, like, a list of some of the people you've gotten to work with since moving out there? Oh, geez. Well, well, as you know, I just um, was in a new Puppet Master movie. Yes. So I got to work with Charles Band, and that was pretty amazing. Um. Let's see. I mean, on direct-to-video, we worked with, like, 30 different people. Kevin Finney, the director of Night of the Demons and Witch War Two, and uh, Pinocchio's Revenge. And I worked with Linnea Quigley on a couple things now. I worked with all the cast because we did a documentary on the Police Academy movies. And so all of the, like, Steven Gutenberg and all those people what? were interviewed for that. Yeah, I had to work with them. And then I did, I did also, I co-directed the Night of the Demons documentary. It's, it's not out yet, but it's coming out. So I met a lot of people from all three of those movies and the remake. Um, <laughs> you can just look at my IMDb and there's like, yeah, it's too many to remember, but there's a ton of people. I, I try to make sure, because part of the brand recognition is always having a name that sells the movie. So every movie typically has one or two, like, you know, celebrities that we can put on the poster to sell the song. The jealousy in this room right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is going off. <laughs> well, I didn't know about the police. Well, it becomes, it's, it's just part of the industry, though. You know, it's like, it's different. I remember the feeling there, like when you're in Nebraska, it's a bigger deal and it's like these celebrities, you know, they're coming out and they're going to be my little thing, but it's, it's funny how it changes here and it becomes so every day. Cause I remember like for the first six months I lived here, like when you, you just see famous people everywhere here, like a lot of people that do the Hulu and Netflix series shows live where I live because they only have to go to LA for um, the season when they're filming the season and they come back here. Do so you see people like everywhere? And so for the first six months, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, seeing different people, and then you're just like, yeah. And they're just, like, regular people. They just, this is what they do for a living. Well, and, that, and that's kind of, too, like, you know, I, I say, like, that and stuff. Like, you know, I'm jealous and whatnot. But, you know, I'm very, 
and not to sound like conceited, but it's like I don't get like uh, starstruck around celebrities because like I used to have a job where I worked at the event center doing like security and I got to meet a lot of the famous acts and stuff like that. And like you said, you kind of get used to it and whatnot, especially when you get to be backstage where most people dream to be at and stuff. But like whenever I work with people, whether it be on a movie or like the wrestling promotion that I run when we bring in like a, a big name or whatever, you, like you said, you don't really like get starstruck. I'm always professional around them and it's, they're there to do a job and it's, kind of you, you're very professional about it and i mean yeah it would be je- I, I am jealous of the fact that i mean you get to see these people all the time and uh, eventually get to work with them possibly but um i know uh, i had mentioned alana evans earlier um i know i had contacted her several years ago to play a part in a movie that i was doing and for budget budgetary reasons it wasn't able to happen. Not that I'm not saying like she's expensive or anything like that, but you know, I don't, the budget basically was coming out of my own pocket. Um, I tried, I've tried like, um, the, uh, what are those called? Like GoFundMe and stuff like that crowdfunding. And that was not really right. ever work and stuff. So, um, you know, it, it was always, it was kind of disappointing not to be able to have her. And I mean, there's other celebrities that I've reached out to and then it didn't work because of budgetary reason. Um, is it, is it easier for you? I mean, you, you have, you don't have to, you have somebody for you that basically reaches out to these people or has them lined up for you. Correct. No, that's what a lot of people is a common misunderstanding. My manager is there to promote me and my brand. He doesn't get me jobs. He doesn't line up people for me. He does little things like, um, well, I have to go shout out to him. Joe Williams and my manager. He's probably going to listen to this. I love him dearly. Like the dad. He does a lot for me. Like, he gets a lot of my locations for me. Um, like, Mel Novak, who's a big, you know, actor, and uh, the other people I work with, he'll arrange and set up so that it's convenient for me and I can work with those people. But really, I do all the work myself, and he's just there to, to spread the awareness, to get me the press releases, to get the articles in, in the magazines, to get the PR out. And so that's more, like, what my manager actually does. And what a lot of people, I think, from the outside, I remember even as myself outside of Hollywood, I see this, this giant thing, it's just Hollywood, there's celebrities, there's famous people, all this stuff. But just like Lincoln and Omaha, it's a small little community of filmmakers that once you've been here long enough, you know everybody. Like every premiere I go to, every red carpet I go to, I know a lot of the paparazzi on a first name basis. Like Uncle Bob's my favorite photographer, he takes the best pictures of me. And I know that it'll get all get images. <laughs> so it's like you start to learn those things living out here and it becomes like this weird community where it's like as big as it seems to the whole world, it's really small. It's a very small group of people that are all kind of working together. Um, Justin, do you have something? No. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this too. Uh, we talked about your movie uh, making career and all that stuff, but you're also a, as we brought you in the song that played the uh, hit stick you're also a musician as well? <laughs> yeah, like, well, <laughs> to, to kind of give a little quick backstory, when I was in Nebraska, I started working with, it was around the time I was doing work with Gypsum Lover. I met 
a guy named E-Rocker, who was a German breakdance artist. And I expressed to him that I was interested in making that style of music, similar to Egyptian Lover, you know, it was always something I was a fan of. So we started working together, and when I was in Nebraska, we released a couple of EPs together, where I did the vocals and he did the beats. But then when I moved to California, my surroundings played a big influence on me. I got very into rap, which is strange because before this, I didn't listen to rap. I didn't pay attention to it, didn't know anything about it. And I completely fell in love with the scene here because it's very prominent. There's a big Instagram scene with rap music, and it's all over L.A., it's all over Hollywood. It played a big influence on me as an artist because I was able to take animosities in my life, stresses in my life, and preventing them through my movies, like a lot of filmmakers do, I had an outlet, which was the rap music, because that's good for that. It, rap music's about talking about your struggles in life and the things that piss you off and all of that. So it sort of turned into this thing, and I've had five rap albums since I've been out here, and this is my most recent one. And it's, it's just weird because, like, knowing you as a person, I mean, you're super nice, uh, and then it's just like, then you, you I'm versatile. <laughs> I guess so. I, I see you with like your, your, uh, what are those called? Um, uh, on the teeth grills, you, you have like your grills in and all oh, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you're such a badass. And those are the whitest things I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I've never been stereotypical. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not like most other filmmakers. I do things differently. And I think that. It's interesting because I'm white and I'm gay, you know, but at the same time, that's not who I am as a person. I'm all these different things. I'm multifaceted, just like everybody. And I think that I can be a fan of rap music and still be who I am. And for just like every, just like actors, it's, it's a big act. Like rappers don't act that way 24 seven. It's for the pictures. It's for the albums. It's for the music, just like anything. And so I can put that act on. I can go out there and do the rap thing, perform and do pictures and then come home and still be me. Um, do you uh, do you perform as uh, MC Dirty D? Do you like go places yeah. and you do? So you do like live concerts? Yeah, I'm actually. I've done, yeah, I've done a few of them, and I actually have one next Friday. I'm doing on Instagram. It's an Instagram house party, and so I'm doing ten tracks live on Instagram. Actually, interesting. That's. I was gonna say because it's what, fun. It's it, 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 it's just like. You know, because a big part of directing and doing all that, too, is the public speaking. You know, I have to accept awards and give speeches to crowds. And so, it, for me, it's fun. It's like the opposite of when I have to go and, like, accept an award or deal with something professional. I have to be all nice and everything. I can just go up and, like, cuss and do my raps and be a badass and not feel like my normal self. And I just love that. See, and that's, that's cool that you get to do that. And, I mean, I just I, – it's just crazy to me, like, on top of movie-making – you're also music making and in his free time. Yeah, in his free time. <laughs> I mean, we—I feel really privileged that you're you're able to uh, take a couple hours out of your uh, your schedule to talk with us today. Um, but how many time, Jeremy? I, I I have to ask you about this one. Um, I don't, I, and you don't have to tell me about it. But one of the current projects you're working on, the name is freaking fantastic. Uh, stale popcorn and sticky floors. Um, yeah. What is that? I mean, I could tell you what I think it is. I mean, with sticky. <laughs> hey, we actually just released the trailer yesterday. It's my newest documentary. It's on 70s and 80s grindhouse horror movies. So we actually interviewed the stars of Basket Case, Don't Look in the Basement, I Spit on Your Grave, Faces of Death, all those movies to end. So it's a documentary about that. We have four interviews left to do. So we've already done, I don't know, like 11 or 12 of them. So yeah, we just put out the trailer yesterday. It's going to come out on Halloween because uh, direct-to-video, the 
the one about direct video or movies I did last summer is coming out October 13th worldwide. Like, it's going to be on all platforms. So I'm owning Steel Popcorn Sticky Floors as my follow-up that I'm going to completely own. So I'm distributing that myself on Halloween. That's great. And definitely not what I was thinking it was going to be about. It is. See, I was focusing on the sticky floors and I was thinking of something. I'm sure you were, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then another one that's got an interest, like all, all your movies have some interesting names to it. And even the cut, the, the cover art, the, uh, the movie poster for this one, uh, angry Asian murder hornets. Hell yeah. <laughs> that, that is a product of the pandemic because basically what happened was right when the lockdown started, we had this plan at the beginning to do a set of movies that um, involved a lot of people, had people flying in all this stuff. Pandemic happened. And I was like, well, crap, I can't just sit around for months on it and not make movies. I have to make a profit. I have to pay my bills. So I made a movie called 5G Zombies. And what it was, was my, my friend John Walker in the UK had like a 10-minute zombie short, and it was about cell phone service making people go crazy and turn them into zombies. And I was like, shit, there's a 5G service conspiracy theory going around. Let's try and get a little viral attention make a movie called 5G Zombies where we can have all the actors self-film around the world, like blog style on their phones. So it's like dealing with apocalypse around the world. So we kind of sort of created this pandemic style movie that hasn't really been done before and we released it and it went viral and it got tons of attention my you know my friends was filled up to 5,000 that week it was just like insane I was getting interviews I was like shit this is the kind of stuff I need to do right now to really get attention because nobody else out there is making movies like Hollywood completely shut down nobody can film anything but I'm able to find ways to pull off these low budget movies still this whole time so like this is my time to shine so I went and made a follow up called Angry Asian Murder Hornets and the title alone, because the murder hornets are, you know, on Facebook, people are talking about the murder hornets are here. So we made a movie like that, this giant CGI murder hornets, and it was really successful. So then we did Ebola Rex, which we just finished, the killer T-Rex with Ebola. And they were all big successes for me, and they're kind of like the most recent things that have really got me out there. So I think all of your films you have in pre-production right now i think amityville in the hood is is what i'm yeah. most excited just reading reading the premise of it just had me had me corpsing pretty hard um and it was a question i had for you on on the other two the evil never dies and uh the amityville was it legacy yeah um on on the promotion for those two you had pictures of the ocean avenue house did you did you yeah. go to Long Island and get those pictures? Were those ones you took? No, I have a friend of mine that um, actually built that. It's oh, a model really? home. He built, wow. he, he built for the for the movie. Yeah, and so he he shot it in New York because that's where he lives. And so he had gotten us a bunch of shots of it um, from different angles that I told him, and we used that for parts one and two. And I actually just talked to him two days ago because he's going to give me some new shots that we're going to use in the third one. Those are and actually, fantastic. And a lot of people. Oh, thank you. And a lot of people don't know because on IMDb it hasn't been changed, but those movies were picked up by Wildlife, and the first one, Amityville Legacy, just came out this last Tuesday as Amityville Toy Box. Okay. So it's available everywhere on all platforms. And one with Mark Patton that used to be called Amityville Evil Never Dies is now called Amityville Clown House. Okay. Because Wildeye, 
which is interesting, Wild Eye went with, and took both movies and filmed additional footage. They filmed like a clown story that attaches both movies. So now it more solidifies it as a cursed object entry by what they did. And so I'm really happy with it. And the, the posters look fantastic. That's great. You mentioned clowns, and this was something that was in my notes earlier too. So one thing, another reason why I like, you know, am indebted to you, Dustin, is because with The Shadow's Edge, you know, there, there was a whole thing with uh, editors to edit the movie, and that's why it took so long to come out. Well, you stepped up to the plate, and you said, hey, I'll edit The Shadow's Edge for you, and you did, and you did it in quick time like normal, and I know you're probably getting annoyed with me because every time you'd complete uh, a, a version of it, I would have all these notes, and then you'd have <laughs> okay. the second edit, and I'd have more notes, and you're just like, oh, my God. But uh, so it, it it went on in the shadow's edge, and it would have never came to – well, it, it would have taken a lot longer if it wasn't for you. Uh, so I, I thank you for that. But um, the name of it changed recently for a project you were involved. It went from shadow's edge to house of clowns. And, and, yeah, and, um, a lot of people don't know that, that it got major distribution. Wild Eye has it now. Mm-hmm. And because um, I had released it through my streaming channel as House of Clowns because we have a horror host. I have a horror hostess named Alvalia, the Queen of Scream. And she's kind of big here in L.A. So she hosted four movies for me, and I picked that as one of them for the host so we could re-release it. And the Wild Eye saw and picked it up. Yeah, and that, that's crazy. Uh, I was going to say, too, I I went on Amazon and the Shadow's Edge is on Amazon. Can you guess how much they're selling the Shadow's Edge for? Yeah, I went online on to buy it. To, oh, it's not a friend. It's from, yeah, is it like 50 bucks? 50 bucks for <laughs> the yeah. Shadow's Edge. I think it's for like $5. I, I wouldn't even pay that for my own movie. <laughs> I, I was just like, I, I mean, because there was like a whole thing. I mean, it, it got picked up by, by uh, I, I believe it was called Retrosploitation. Was yeah, the name of the it's company? a copy that's 50 bucks. Yeah, because they, they went. Because he put out all my Black Street Forest movies. He's the one that um, hired me for Trigger Camp that we did. So he put out all those movies back in 2013, and they have been out of print since, like, 2016 or 17. So, like, if you go, yeah, like, Shadow's Edge, Black Street Forest movies, if you search for it in Doll Killer, if you search for those on eBay, they're like, hey, we're going to do the $200 fees. And people pay them. It's crazy. <laughs> Holy cow. You need oh. to start working off your name. No kidding, I guess. But <laughs> we got Jeremy Lubash on the podcast. I know. Well, I, there's a lady I work with who's had a copy of The Shadow's Edge for years, and she finally, like, a few months back had me autograph it. And That's it's like worthless, man. After, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say uh, the opposite, uh-huh. actually. It, it, if it can go for 50 bucks unsigned on uh, Amazon, man, she could get at least 52, 53 bucks out of it with my, <laughs> my name on it. Um, so I actually, too, another movie I want to talk about that's coming out on September 1st is Ebola Rex. Um, I watched yeah. the trailer to that the other day, and definitely, yeah, the name is great. As I said, his, the names of his movies definitely uh, grasp your attention. Um, wh- where did that, that Ebola Rex come from? Like, I, just, just watching the uh, trailer for it was quite interesting. Where did the idea for it come from? Yeah, like the idea for it and all that stuff for Ebola Rex. Well, I just, you know, like, it, like I was saying before with the pandemic, it's not a lot of people are producing things. I'm trying to do something 
that is exploited the way that they did in the 70s that is going to get viral attention because that's what it's about to succeed. And so I wanted to get, I was kind of riding on the type of attention that 5G zombies got with Murder Hornet. And then with that, this is sort of the follow-up. And a lot of people haven't seen them yet, don't know they're all sequels to each other. They actually mention the previous movies in the next movie. And so they're all they're in the same universe. And so the basic story with um, Ebola Rex was that during a Dino Lives Matters protest, <laughs> a person broke into the science lab and injected the dino with Ebola, and it went on a rage and broke out in downtown L.A. and was killing everybody. And a big reason I decided to do a dinosaur is because I live at like 20 minutes from the dinosaur park from Wee's Big Adventure. And so we were able to go over there and film. And so we have a bunch of scenes we filmed over there. That's, that's probably one of the craziest. Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. Wow. It's like tickling my heartstrings. Like this is the type of horror that I grew up watching. Right. And it's, it's everything I love about horror. Well, and that's why I do it. And like I was saying, that's when I started because I was just a fan and I want that that's what kind of separates me from some of the filmmakers out here. Everybody's doing it as a business and to, to pay for their mansions and their boats. And I'm doing it because I want to make fun horror movies that in 20 years people will still like, you know, right. that are like people that want to follow and that are inspired by my youth. And that's why a lot of my co-starts are homages and the movies that do are throwbacks because I'm trying to keep that era alive. And for some people saying like, oh, we filmed at the same place, Pee Wee's Adventure would mean nothing. But to other people, it's like, holy shit, you were there? You yeah. know, it's like, it's a big deal for people like that. It was so cool because what I did is I took screenshots from the movie on my phone, and then when we went out there, we recreated with our camera the same frame. So it's like the same four main shots of the dinosaur park we recreated in a Bolarex. And we have um, my partner, Jared, going around taking pictures of the dinosaurs, and then he goes up to the T-Rex that's posed as if he's a fake dinosaur. And he takes the picture, then it comes to life and comes down and eats them. Nice. Well, and one of the, we just reviewed on our last podcast, we reviewed the movie Rubber, and I think the thing that we talked about the most is the gas station they filmed that in the movie Rubber was Captain Spaulding's gas station, and I think that yeah. was – And then the hotel. And then the hotel. And, yeah. and that was, yeah. I think, the best part about that movie is we were able to talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's just those little throwbacks that you find and you love. Like the movie – Well, that's the best – no, go ahead. I was going to say, in like the uh, uh, sh- uh, Hatchet Two, if you're if you watch Hatchet Two, where she goes into Tony Todd's shop, the move uh, the the news is showing uh, what happened in the movie uh, Frozen. Another one of, mm. of oh yeah, yeah, just little things you find that make you a fan. Oh no, for sure. I think that for horror fans, especially, that stuff is important, you know. And I, I'm, I'm a bit geek like because. Here, obviously, is where they film all those movies. So I literally live by all... It's insane. Like, I had no idea. I feel so stupid. When I moved here and, and, you know, would be watching movies, I would recognize all these places. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the highway I drive to when I'm going, you know, to San Diego. <laughs> like, all of these things. I'm like, I had no idea. Like, 95% from legit filmed in L.A. Because now when I watch a movie, I freaking recognize it. It's the craziest thing. And you recognize all the places and I went um, we did a Tales from the Campfire Part 3 last year and my mission was for all five stories I want to have a famous poor movie location in every one so we went to we have the Demon Knight um, saloon that's from Tales from the Demon Knight nice. we had Andy Barkley's house from Child's Play 2 we had the hospital from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 
And then we had, oh God, what do we have? We had like two other, yeah, we just like made it a point. And so I've been doing that now with every movie because always within 20 minutes of something like that. I think that's one of my favorite things is, well, pretty much just that. It's like you watch a movie, you get the story, and then you go back and rewatch it and you can pick out the little puzzles and pieces and little gags and stuff that's not necessarily oh, yeah. carries the movie, but uh, yeah, nostalgic purposes. You you'd mentioned Jared. How is Jared? Good. We're still together. He's working. He actually works a couple jobs. He like manages that at Batteries Plus Bulbs, which I don't think they have there, but it's like a radio shack. Oh. Okay. And then he also he does. Everybody out here does Grubhub and DoorDash <laughs> because it's like a huge business. So he does that at night and banks. So that's actually what he's doing right now. Is he still like a human garbage disposal? Yep. <laughs> and never puts on a single pound. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that on the sets. It's like if we had food and it was just like we were done filming, he was just chowing down everything. <laughs> I remember him with, with on cheerleader camp. I thought the same. I'm like, how is he not fat? <laughs> He's just like eating. Yeah, he has a really high metabolism. I'm actually finally thinner than him, though, because I've been, but I have to work at and he doesn't have to. He can just like take it out. He eats like twice the amount of calories you're supposed to for his body weight. Has nothing happened. Like, are you fucking serious? I'm just getting bigger out here. <laughs> I'm getting the pooch belly and all that stuff. Too much runs, huh? Yeah, no. I, was, have... I was pretty overweight there, too. I think that, well, it's an environmental thing. I think out here, everybody's thin because it, it's like you go outside and, and you just exercise a lot. You know, like you don't, it's a subconscious thing. Like you're out, out more, you have, you have to go places, you hike a lot, and you just kind of end up losing the weight. Tofu and cashew milk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's possible to eat terrible out there. Let me tell you. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here with you, Dustin. Um, uh, it, it's always a pleasure with you. But before we do that, I do uh, just want to do a, uh, some final plugs here for you. And if I miss something, feel free to add it. But uh, Angry Asian Murder Hornets is available now on DVD and video on demand from SCS Entertainment. Uh, Ebola Rex is available on DVD and video on demand on September 1st, and you can listen to your album World Domination by your alter ego, MC Dirty D, which is available on Dat Piff. Uh, is there anything I missed or anything you want to add to that? Uh, I guess if you are uh, a fan of Puppet Master, check out Blade the Iron Cross. It's on Amazon and Full Moon Direct. I was a production assistant and actor in that. And also, I can say on your show that uh, we're working on the Killer Tomatoes remake. So watch for <laughs> news involving that. Lonnie's face just lit up. I just literally shit my pants with excitement. <laughs> it's actually public knowledge. If you Google Dustin Ferguson Killer Tomatoes, it's all over the internet. Like <laughs> last year, we started filming at Comic Con. We did some scenes at Comic Con and the tomato chasing people. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's out there. Oh, man. <laughs> Get home, throw your backpack down, and watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And uh, between between now and Monday, when this episode drops, Dustin will have completed five more feature-length <laughs> films. <laughs> but like for real. <laughs> no, but no, it, it it was it was fun catching up with you. Um, you know, I know we both, especially you, you're, you're busy with a lot of things out there. Uh, I'm busy with things out here, so we don't get to talk as much. You know, Facebook, we kind of catch up every now and then. Uh, you know, I definitely need to catch up more. Um, if you ever come yeah. out here, we'll have to hang out. If I ever decide to take a trip out there um, your way, we're definitely going to have to hang out. But 
Uh, it's, well, you have you have a second home out here anytime you do it. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, no, you, you've always been like I said. You, you gave me a um, a lot of chances, and um, it definitely has helped me. Not that I'm like anywhere where I want to be in my movie making career, but you've definitely helped me uh, complete like a lot of movies and continue to have the passion for uh, for filmmaking. So I thank you for that. Um, uh, your friend. Yeah, and and so Justin can't talk. He's over there crying in the corner. It's emotional for so him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, Dustin, thank you again for being on the podcast with us. Thank you, dude. Uh, Much respect to you. I, I really appreciate all the work, and uh, I'm glad you kept your head on your shoulders throughout all this uh, BS that you know social media. Thank you. I appreciate like, you know. that. But yeah, you're you're a uh, one of the best. So yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, that is Dustin, uh, and we will be back with our final words here in just a moment. I ain't running after nothing but my chase work. Cash out, me a wage, and then I make it for Pretty busy, fucking, you can suck it, have it taste first. Had your booty pop and throw it, they can stay for And the devil ever recliner got sweet. All right, well, that was fun catching up with my good friend, Dustin Ferguson. It's been a while. Has been. I mean, been I like think three years. I, I I really want to say three years. Two or three. It feels like years. it's like five for me, even though it's the same time probably with you. <laughs> probably. I bet every time he paused, he wrote a script. <laughs> I mean, that's the insane thing. Like you know, I I I, I people look at that differently. Um, you know that you know, he does things way too fast and blah blah blah. But it's like the guy gets it done. Y'all work and at your own speed. You do. And I wanted to ask him, which is kind of too late now, with all the stuff, almost 100 projects, how much did he scrap? Like, do you scrap like half of your ideas? No. No? I, Keep I, it all? I can't imagine having that many ideas in your head alone, let I, alone scrapping stuff. I do have that many ideas in my head. It's just put the, them on fucking paper. I do. Do you know how many effing notebooks I have at home? Okay, no, he's bragging. Man, I have a lot, but it's I just could like be I, Ferguson if I, had I, the time. I, if I quit my job and I was able to make it to just be able to make movies, I would. But I, I can't make ends meet by just making movies. <laughs> Jesus, Whoa. what was that? Whoa. Why would you do that? My ears <laughs> are bleeding. Uh, no, but again, thank you, Dustin, for uh, being on the podcast. Um, that was very fun. Um, Great guy. It, it is first time I've met him and. He, uh, super humble guy, too. He is. Your face really lit up, Lonnie, when he said the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It's just, from a, a cult movie classic, like, point of view, they don't get better than Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Like, it's, like, other than some Lloyd Kaufman films, like, it is the pinnacle of, like, B-cinema. So, to know there's a remake coming, just, like... Yeah. That's kind of a – I feel like I would be really scared for that one, being a paisano myself. <laughs> so. Well, so last episode we played a game between you two. Yeah. And, well, that was fun. a couple oh. episodes ago. Sorry. I um, celebrated for two whole weeks. Yeah, it was my, a couple episodes ago. So it was been like a month ago that you played it and won. So, Justin, you won, and what was on the line was you get to be the host, and obviously, um, 
So Dustin has to host? No, wait. No. I'm completely confused here now. Last week. Last, last week, episode. yeah. You won. I'm sorry. No. I won and hosted last episode. Justin you... won that episode, and he gets to host the next okay, episode. Okay, yes, that's right. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm you need I'm, to lay, lay, uh, off, lay off the smoke, I'm bro. Thrown, the I'm thrown off because I should have won last week. Last oh, episode. No. I mean, yeah, like, dang you, it. That wasn't even the game. I know. I'm saying... Boys, just like boys, don't fight. Down like a fucking python. <laughs> anyway, so Justin, see, you are next week's lead host. Oh, can you give us yeah. any insider news on what we might be talking no. about or doing? I cannot. That's well, you're cool. gonna have to anyways because okay. I have to. Well, I think <laughs> I might take you boys downstairs to the morgue. I do have a game in mind for you guys, uh, so you guys need to study up on your um, your deeds, your deads. Like famous people? Sure. They don't have to be. Some of them. Because I will be offended if it's people I know. In my <laughs> <laughs> Aunt Ruth, what? Uh, yeah, and then I have a few ideas for a main topic, which, uh, depending on what I have in the next day or two... I will throw you that and see if Paco approves of it, and we'll go from there. Hopefully it's um, not about pyramid schemes. <laughs> it's about woodworking. What Take kind it. of woodworking? <laughs> Morning woodworking? Um, I don't get your reference. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it's because you both sleep on your stomachs. Can't. I'm a side sleeper. I don't have a stomach. No, I do. Speaking of that, a quick sidebar. I went to the doctor yesterday, and I officially <laughs> graduated from chubby to obese. Congratulations. I know. Go me. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is actually my belly hitting my knees. <laughs> that is quite the accomplishment. I'm proud of myself. That was my age. I was always like, uh, when I was in the military... It was like me and this other dude, we were like, I guess, bigger into like working out and stuff. Like most people think of military people as like, they're just fit and it's like, nope, they're not. They're, they're not, they're really not. There's probably only like five people that I would trust to go downrange with. Uh, no offense to the military people who are out there doing their, their best, but you know, uh, but when we would take our PT tests, we would always have to, you know, sign a waiver or something like that because we come up on, you know, obese. It's like, oh, of course, like. The the body fat or yeah body fat weighs less than muscle per pound, so or I guess circumference whatever. You know. There was this uh, ad on Facebook. Normally, when it like counts down, it's like you can skip this ad in five, four. I'll skip it. Were you waiting? Well, I don't <laughs> know what was about. I mean, it was this guy who didn't have an ounce of fat on him, six pack muscles, all this stuff. Oh, that guy and. He he basically said he's like, do you want to know if you you're fat? Basically, I mean he said it in like a, a nicer term, but he's like, here's a test you can do. He's just like, grab right here, and your stomach, and he's like, squeeze together. He's like, if you can fit fat in your the palm of your hand, you're fat. And so basically, I'm like, well, yeah, my hand is like my fat is like. Going through my fingers, like you're like, grabbing one of your muscle rolls. That's, yeah. that's not true. I can't do that because I, I can't squeeze it shut. Like my hand hits and it's just like too full. Take 
That, well, that piece yeah, of chicken hand. out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> my hand's too like, full, too. Let me finish this milkshake first. <laughs> right now, I wonder if any of our listeners are grabbing their stomach <laughs> and squeezing right now. I just know that, yeah. Thing. I'm try I like I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier. That'll be your guys' punishment when I win. To eat a salad? <laughs> <laughs> I went to the doctor because I'm like, oh my back hurts. I'm having trouble breathing when I'm laying on my back. I I, I like I might have the COVIDs. I was gonna take you guys on like some Justin's juice box, give you a taste of Justin's juice box. <laughs> I've had it before. That sounds like a, that, that's a bad punishment. I, I hated it. I thought I, I thought I had the COVIDs, so I was like, I go go to the doctor and get the test. I go into this new doctor lady, and she's like, Oh, you're fine. You're just fat. That's <laughs> so it's a medical nice. term. Yeah. Yeah. She literally just came out, and she's like, Oh no, honey, you're just fat. My doctor called me a fat fuck. Just kidding. She didn't. I did. I was obese um, a couple years ago for one of my, my uh, checkup. So they basically told me the same thing, like, you graduated to being obese. And I'm like, what? It's a great feeling. Like, you want to be like, yeah. <laughs> Does that mean I can ride those elect- electric chairs <laughs> at I was, Walmart like, and not my, get looked at funny? My first thing was, I'm like, oh, sweet. Maybe I can, like, can I uh, can I get that liposuction? Or what's that? Lap band surgery? Liposuction, I think, is what it's called. What's it? Where they do? You want to do, like, the at-home stuff? No, I want to get legit. <laughs> like, I've already... Doesn't we had a die. baby. Our, our deductible for the year's met. Oh. So, you want to... Since we're on the subject... It, you have to master the habit. It's the habits. Because uh, most people get liposuction, don't change their habits, and they just go back to the... I don't are. eat much at all. Like, once you have a kid, you just eat when you get a second. It's like, I got two seconds. I'm going to just eat whatever this is. I, I think like, a lot of people don't. We had cupcakes for dinner. <laughs> a lot of people don't consider that from a male perspective, too. It's like, they're like, well, you were not the one who had the baby. It's like, yeah, but I can't eat the foods that I want to eat because she wants to eat something else. So it's like, well, I only want to make one meal type of thing. And that's yeah, why my baby, I, weight, my baby weight came. That's why I'm single, fellas. No yeah, woman's. That, that's the reason. No woman's going to tell me what I can and can't eat. <laughs> uh, what were you going to say when we interrupt you with? No, about since we're on the subject of being fat, which Justin has no reason to talk yeah. because this I guy used to wear like, husky pants. You, you hold, you, know, you hold your. Yeah, they were called fucking Jinko jeans. Yeah, and you you're just trick for when you're trying to be Jeff Hardy. That's why he wore. <laughs> you you hold your fat between your eyebrows. I see it. Hold on, I'm thinking about this. Oh, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> no, anyway, so back back when I would order stuff off the Wish app, <laughs> um, they had this, it was like a tank top. Like a body stunner? That had the abs in it. That had the abs I've wanted in to it, order that it, so many times. It pushed, it made you slim. It would push your gut in so it would be like like flat. Not, so I bought one. You couldn't take it off. No, I put it on, and it basically was what I figured it would be. Like, it was just a stretchy... Like a girdle? Fat. It was a stretchy uh, material, and my gut just stretched out. And I'm like, this is not what the guy on the picture looked like when you put it on. Like, the only way I would look like that is if I would suck my gut in, but I don't need to buy the thing. So I took the thing off, and I threw it in the trash. So so I was in a band, and... uh, we used to wear dresses and stuff on stage. We're called the post-op whores. And uh, one day, 
we had a show, and for the life of me, we just thought we I thought it'd be fun. I shaved abs in my chest hair, nice. so I would look like I had abs. That was the thing I did once. I it didn't fool anybody. <laughs> I'm gonna say that would just be gross. Did you have a lot of stomach hair? I did at the time. Yeah, I let it grow. But I was actually kind of in shape then. I think I was like a buck fifty or a buck sixty at that time. I remember when I was in shape back in sixth grade. <laughs> Question: If yes, you, Dwight. who would, who would win in a fight? <laughs> My dad between or your mom? You currently and you ten years ago. Oh, me ten years ago, without a doubt. Absolutely, I would. I wouldn't be wheezing. <laughs> back then like I would now. I would I would take my ten year old no, ten ten year ago self twist them around into the prison position and uh no no we're not gonna My ten year old self probably would have liked it, to be honest. Not my ten year old ten year old ago ten years ago self. What is with you? <laughs> <laughs> you you have a thing about you and your ten year old self. <laughs> He was, he was uh, so that adorable. Must, that must have been the best time of your life when you were 10. 10. 10 years ago. Let me see. What am I? 36. So I've been 26. I would have been living with seven other people in a three-bedroom house paying 80 bucks a month in rent. Once I turned 19, all the years have just been a blur. Like, I, I can't hey, remember 10 minutes. Happened? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember 10 years ago when I was 26, almost 27. Right? Ten, it's all a blur. 10 years ago, I was in two bands playing as many shows a week as possible so we could make as little money as possible to pay as little in rent as possible. While Tracy went to college and I could pay bills, I was managing a radio shack you're like, baby, the band's gonna make it. Oh no, they would no we weren't. <laughs> we were <laughs> fucking awful. But one we, of them's always drugged out. Yeah. The other guy's always late or had to no. get a filler. The the singer was always drugged out of his mind. The female drummer was always pregnant? No, never <laughs> never pregnant, but we did get raided once by the cops. Got thirty two counts of animal cruelty. For the dresses? Or... Huh? Yeah. Okay. 32 counts of animal cruelty? Yeah, because we kept too many rabbits in a rabbit cage. You kept 32 rabbits in a rabbit they cage? They were in three different cages, but yeah. So 32 divided by three. We made a horror movie once, and we, we filmed most of it in a bathroom. And, I sli and Tracy can tell you this. I slipped getting out of a bathtub trying to run on, on bathroom floor. And I had covered in fake blood, and I slipped and hit my face on the on oh, the sink, and oh, no. that's bloody, when you developed the. Nose. <laughs> that's when you uh, discovered the flux capacitor. <laughs> no, you know what was funny about that? That movie was based on eating bad, uh, bad McDonald's fish sandwiches. Salmonella. That's like one of the only things I eat from McDonald's if I ever go there. No. Pink meat. All right, fellas. Well. I think um, we're about here to wrap things up. I guess next episode, Justin's in charge. I'll be taking it away. Jay Willie. We apparently Lonnie and I need to study up on dead, dead people. people. Um, 
I don't even know how to begin to do that, but okay, we're we're gonna do that. Watch your Google um, searches. Hit, hit the old bibs. Yeah, should uh, be an interesting uh, episode next time. Again, we want to thank everybody for uh, reaching us over 500 on Facebook. Uh, keep sharing, keep liking, Podbean, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor. Podbean is the main thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your dad joke about Anchor? Was it mine or was it his? Oh, it was Lonnie's. It was holding us down or something like that. Got to get on Anchor. It's always holding us down. Help us hit 750 and I'll make (laughs) t-shirts. 750, what's their deadline? That's a real laugh. Oh, I don't know. Just whenever they do it. Whenever they do it? We got to give them a deadline. Uh, By October. October 31st. Halloween. Halloween. Get us 750 likes and Lonnie will make t-shirts. I'll make t-shirts on the cricket. So... Well, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. Um, it was a fun night tonight, boys. Yeah, it was. Always look forward to these. Uh, we will see you here in a couple of weeks. So August enjoy, 31st. everybody. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Join us next time for more absurdity that only the guys from the Boundless Pod Trap can bring you.